Welcome back to another episode of The Stupidest Podcast with your hosts, Justin Rademacher and the other guy. He's, oh man, you should see him now. He's, he's looking real good, ladies. He's, he's got, he's got it all going on. He's, uh, he's got a lot of work going on, so he doesn't have a whole lot of time for dates, but I mean, I'd want to go on a date with him if I could. Um, Who's that guy? I don't remember his name. It's Justin Vandeventer. What's going on, guys? Justin Vandeventer. How's it going, man? Dude, I don't even have, not only do I not have time for dates, but today at work, I slipped and fell and, and landed and like jammed my hand. And like, I can't, not... it hurts to even like close my hand right now. And I go, I told, I told Andy tonight at bowling, I go, God, sad when I can't even freaking say, I can't even get my hand to say yes to a date. <laughs> I wasn't even I wasn't even going there. I was thinking you're bowling right away. That's funny. <laughs> or how are you how are you gonna like grasp her cheek to go in for the kiss? Yeah, right. <laughs> Dude, it hurts so bad. Yeah, that's that sucks. I'm sorry, man. Dude, I like can't I, I and it's on my bowling hand, so tonight when I was bowling, it felt good for like the first game and a half, but then it started to just really start to just agony pain like i right now i can't even i can't even make a fist oh that sucks i, I mean good thing you don't need to make a fist in bowling <laughs> i couldn't hold on to the ball the last game though yeah yeah that's rough especially like <laughs> injuring your bowling hand is the worst like i don't even like when when i'm bowling i never even want to eat with my bowling hand because you don't want to have anything wrong with it like you don't want to have grease on it or anything like yet alone like bruising and swelling like that's not good and so like when i landed on the ice or whatever and i tried to catch myself yep it jammed my wrist oh so my wrist is like sore but the fingers that i jammed are the two that go in the ball oh of course couldn't have been the outside ones oh dude it kills mm. it feels like somebody the knuckles the middle knuckles it feels like somebody just took a hammer to him and went wham wham mm. yeah no thanks especially and then going to bowl right after that yeah yeah no yeah so i'm i'm very interested to see what it feels like tomorrow yeah so yeah good luck with that man yeah Holy right <laughs> So, got an uh, we got an interesting episode coming at these. Yeah, guys. no, this yeah, this is a very good episode. This is uh, another guest episode. So our guest is Chad Gallo. He's another comedian up in the Duluth area, and uh, yeah, we get to learn a little a lot about him actually, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, you see, actually, how we actually have guests that go against the the name. Uh, he's a very smart person, so he it's weird having him on the stupidest podcast. Yeah, right? but we were bringing him down to our level. Yeah, it was fun bringing we're, him down to our level. You can dragging. see it a, a couple times throughout the episode. Um, he even like admits it. It's it's kind of funny. Yeah, we're we're getting him down here. But it was fun though, and then like he brought us up too sometimes. Yeah. Um, obviously not for very long, but and not like permanently. If you listen, I use some pretty big words in this one. You know, at least some four syllable, four syllables. Yeah, words. I I didn't even think that there was such thing as four syllables. <laughs> yeah. 
I thought that you had to use multiple words to get to four syllables. I know you didn't see it, but I was patting myself on the back quite a bit during this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, hey, I didn't know what that word means that you're talking about. <laughs> oh, man, I I just went along with it. I was like, hey, <laughs> I know that that's a word. I'm... I don't know what it means, but it's a it's a word. I know that. Yeah, so. yeah it's a great episode, though, man. Yeah, no, it's it's a ton of fun, too. Just getting to learn um, a little bit about, like, other comedians is just so much fun. Um, yeah. Whether you know them or you don't know them, um, there's going to be a lot of people that listen that know him and a lot of people that don't. And it's just, it's still interesting getting to see another comedian's perspective on the art form, you know. I'm really liking these because I know you kind of have somewhat of a relationship with these people. And, yep. And I haven't, a, a few of these that I've ne- I've never even met. Yeah. I mean, you met him through Zoom and through talking with him and that was it. That was it. And I've I've known him for a while now. So it's 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 interesting also having that a different dynamic with both of us having those uh, different relationships with these people um, and getting to getting to know them through the podcast is is fun, too. Or at least me seeing you getting to know them is is really fun for me. Yeah, it's been a blast. I'm I'm enjoying it. But, you know, me, I could talk comedy with anybody for hours. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, and you you can obviously tell because that's what we've been doing. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, anything else you want to say about the podcast, the episode? Um, I mean, the episode is a ton of fun. Um, you're gonna learn a lot, and uh, you also get to get to know a little bit more about comedy. So, I I think it's an all around great episode, and uh, yeah, I think uh, we should just get into it. Yeah, let's get into it. So, without further ado, here's your episode. Perfect. Enjoy. All right, Chad, let's get into this then. Um, I'll start off with the first question. Um, What inspired you to get into stand-up comedy? Oh, God, that's a loaded question. Um, I've always loved comedy ever since I was a kid. (laughs) But I actually, I went to my first open mic because I lost a bet. Oh, nice. And I don't even, yeah, I used to have a bit for this and it's lost because I don't even remember what the bit was, but it was with a buddy I worked with. He's like, look, you've been talking about doing this for years. So if you lose, you have to go do this. So, and then, and of course, I lost like the weekend before my birthday. So the very first open mic I did was on my birthday. And I had gone in and I had written like five minutes of material I was super stoked to do. And I got there and it'll be like, well, you get three minutes of your first time. I'm like, okay, fine. And then I'd use none of the stuff I wrote. I just ad lib for three minutes uh, and it killed. And there is no, at least, like, I require cuss validation for other people. I'm performing we all do, right? Yeah. So you hear those laughs from people and it, it's like a drug. So then the next week I went back and I did the five minutes I'd written the first time and it bombed. I totally hate it, right? So then I didn't go back for like a month and I sat and I was like, look, if you don't go back, you're never going to do it. So I just, I, I got up and I went back and I killed again. And it, I mean, it's had ups and downs, but it's just, it's been history since then. I just loved it. But yeah, I lost a bet. That's how it happened. That's nice. crazy. So why, why did you not do the material you got set up? Because you didn't uh, have my, to... uh, Because I didn't have it timed. Because oh. I had it timed out for five. And like, well, you've got to cut it down three. I'm like, well, one of these jokes is like four minutes long. So, oh. like, or, yeah. so then I just, and that was part of it. And the rest of it was, I think, just like nerves. Because I had never... Like I, I had given speeches and talks. Like I was in grad school for a while, so I did like presentations at conferences and things like that. So I've done a lot of public speaking, but I'd never done comedy before. 
So it's like just the nerves of doing something that I'm excited to do for the longest time. Grad school. just kicked in and everything that was in my brain just left. So. <laughs> Grad school, huh? Yeah, I've got a master's degree. in. Uh, so you're a smart comedian. Uh, well, I tell people that. <laughs> my, my master's degree is in philosophy, so oh. it's not, uh, yeah, 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 that O is the box every time. Yeah. But no, yeah, it's a master's in philosophy specializing in applied ethics and values during the school for it. That just, that sounds really smart. Yeah, yeah, because I spent a long time rehearsing this week. <laughs> And and yet you're on the stupidest podcast. So we're, I, we're... I I was concerned a little bit about the brand when I heard that you guys were going to be on the stupidest podcast. Yeah, but philosophy fits right in. Oh, that's a accurate low blow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was pretty good, Randy. I'll give you that one. So that's that's crazy though. You so the first time you ever did stand up was on your birthday. Yeah, yeah, it was on my birthday. Um, here at the one of the local places in town. Yeah. And of course, I had a few friends come out with me that time uh, who they do what every comedian's friends do, right? They tell you they loved it. It was hilarious. Have never been to a single show in the like six years since. Okay. So it's like, well, you went once. Thanks, yeah. guys. Yeah. Thanks for coming the very first time and then not seeing my progression. I take, <laughs> I, I actually know, I do have to take that back because the very first gig I headlined, my buddy Zach was at that show, came to see me that so I'm not going to shoot on him, but the other people I will get up on. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, what style of comedy do you perform on stage? Do you like the style you have? If not, what style would you want to do? Uh, well, I mean, the second part of that question has got to be loaded. Because if I was doing something I didn't like to do, that's me being an idiot, right? Like, yeah. I'm obviously doing whatever I want to do. Hey, yeah. we, we never um, said we had smart guests on here, all right? It's in the name. I know, I'm starting to pick up on that. <laughs> uh, one, of, one of our first guests um, for comedy-wise was Frankie Runquist. Oh, yeah. Well, that, yeah <laughs> You're not supposed to badmouth people, so I won't say anything. Uh, <laughs> the <right> <laughs> That, I, I had to roast her though. That was I, I had. To. Frankie's a, a, she's absolutely hilarious, but she is a very roastable person, and she does bring it on herself. Yeah, she's an absolute <laughs> delight. Oh god. <laughs> I mean, the problem about describing my style of comedy is it's like it's the style of like conversations I normally have with people. I am a moderately deadpan smartass who tends to yell about things that irritate me, <laughs> and. Then comedy was like, well, what if I could do that but just complain about McDonald's for four minutes? <laughs> and so it's a, I've got a mostly deadpan delivery that like kicks up into like higher end. I tried doing characters. It doesn't work for me because I've got a very monotone voice mm. and sort of trying to get inflections out of this. Like I had written a bit once that I don't do anymore where I started my entire bit speaking in French. Oh, uh, I don't know French. Oh, I okay. run the joke through Google Translate. Uh, Google Translate does not like translating the word fuck into foreign language. It's a really hard time. <laughs> but uh, so so I would just get up on stage and go, I got to say And then people stare at you because they don't realize that you're just asking them if you're, they're having a good day in French. Yeah. <laughs> so when you tried doing the Google Translate, did it do like the whole text thing and it was trying to translate duck? Um. Kind of. I, it's been so long I don't remember exactly what it said because I got to the second line and realized I wasn't getting fucked right. Oh, okay. Um, how do you, yeah. How could you tell if you didn't know the language? Uh, 
context clues. Okay. Like you look at a word and then you, because what I would do is I would put it through to French and then back to English. Oh. Because the last thing I want to do, like if I'm going to say something, it's going to be fucking right. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah like, Roddy, he's smart. All right. Leave him alone. <laughs> I don't want to go up there and say stuff that's false. Like, I literally uh, hosted a couple shows up here that were pretentious trivia shows based on the premise of I know stuff that the comedians don't. So let's embarrass them publicly for not knowing things. So now I'm like, now everything I say has to be true, right? So I spend like, when I'm writing a joke now, I spend 10% of the joke writing the joke and 90% of the joke researching the things that are in the joke to make sure I'm not saying anything that's false. I lie all the time. <laughs> yeah. I I should do that because it would save me so much time. <laughs> yeah. Like the hours on like Google Scholar and Wikipedia and like digging through journal articles and research papers and things. Like I should just make up how much an airplane costs. You don't need to read that. <laughs> the audience isn't going to go look that I should say that. One person in the audience is going to look that up and they're going to corner you after the show and they go, you know that's not what a Cessna C-75 costs anymore. <laughs> Like, I know, I wrote that joke four years ago. I haven't looked at the new numbers. I'm sorry. Hey, that's what it cost four years ago. That's what right? it cost when I wrote it. I'm not changing anything. I'll, I'll put a timestamp on the joke if we have to compromise. That's awesome. You, you put a little parentheses, or not parentheses, uh, uh, asterisks by each each of your jokes. I have a, because I've seen a few comedians do something like where they have like a PowerPoint presentation that goes on in the background that like compliments oh, yeah. their set. Yeah. And part of my brain's going like, just start putting citations in for all your jokes. <laughs> That would be funny. Get that one college kid who's like, he's not quite drunk enough to get the comedy, but he just remembers everything off his physics exam. He goes, you know, that's not how grapefruits fly, that that trajectory, right? And And you guys, look, look at where I got this from. I can see on your poster, ACT hasn't been updated for the last four years. (laughs) (laughs) I should stop putting qualifiers on. The only Uh, thing that's worse than that, like, because... Those trivia shows, like, is like they weren't super successful, but they were one of my favorite things to do. But what I would hate doing is that I would spend probably a month and a half writing the question for every show, uh, and then I would do the show, and then find out that the questions had been asked somewhere else. Like, oh. there's a there's a British show called QI, which I think is a show that everybody on the planet should watch because it's what if we made comedians feel stupid for not knowing really controversial things. And so the very first trivia show I did was about a bunch of animals. And the one question I asked people was, how many tentacles does an octopus have? Yeah. They have ten tickles. No. Sorry. No, no. You're, one, you're thinking squids. Squids have ten tentacles. No, it's, uh, it's eight. No, they have oh. none. What? Be- oh. Because they're technically arms and not tentacles. Because the way, if they've got suckers going from the base of the body all the way out, they're technically arms. But like squids have them only at the tips. Those are tentacles. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So it's super bizarre. And of course, like, that's what makes those shows interesting is nobody knows this stuff. So you get comedians to say the wrong answer. You go, haha, you idiot. And then you go, this is the truth. And then it's really cool. Literally this morning before we recorded this, I was watching an episode of QI, and the host, Sandy Toxbig, gets to the end of the show, and she's like, so how many tentacles does an octopus have? I'm like, don't do this to me, Sandy. So, <laughs> and so, of course, it was literally the question I had done for a show like four months ago that I didn't know somebody had already done. And so you get that, like, yeah, it's parallel thinking. I'm like, well, that's out the window now. That's great. So what if I just happened to, like, I don't know how it would happen, but like if I just got suckers like at the like by my hands, would I technically have two tentacles? Uh, ooh. 
if it was just at the tip. You know what I'm saying? God, I'm not a marine biologist. This is immediately upsetting me. I'm sorry I had to upset you during the podcast. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because that's a really good question, and I honestly don't know the yeah. answer. What about um, what about when you go into water and your hands get pruny? Are they now tentacles? No, because that's not a sucker. Yeah, it's it, it's got uh, well, it's, this, it, like, it, a particular type of membrane. It, it gets pruny so you can actually grip better underwater. That's why they become pruny. Your body's well, gripping. It, gripping isn't sucking. No. Like it's not a sucker. Well, and it's also not a it's not a permanent biological feature of your skin. Yeah. It's, a, it's a condition that it adapts to. Yeah. yeah. Maybe if we stay in there long enough, it will become a sucker. All right. <laughs> we don't know. We'll say that. Man, we can't do a full breakdown of evolution. <laughs> we're only on at, we're only on question two. Uh, <laughs> well, and I, I guarantee you, most of your audience has a better understanding of evolution from Pokemon than they do from biology. So this is already a non-start there. I thought the I thought that was how I no. Your that, that's, that's See, this, this is already this is already more smart conversation than we've ever had on the podcast in the whole time that we've been running the podcast. So. I, I love that I'm skewing the numbers. <laughs> I've broken the concept. Yeah. My work is done. Like I thought eventually yeah. like Vandy would evolve into somebody better like me. Something like that. You know, like he'd evol- eventually evolve into me. The important thing is that you think a lot of yourself. And that's really <laughs> as long as you think that. <laughs> no, I did I wasn't saying that for me. I was just saying that. Just He's just trying to evolve me. evolve into an, a host on this show. He's getting there. No, yeah. I am a host. We're both hosts. <laughs> That's our thing. People, he keeps he keeps saying that he's the only host, and uh, I say I'm the only host. And then, yeah, we're both hosts. We're not co-hosts. We're hosts. I see I've landed on a nerve already. I know. This is, yeah. <laughs> how does that make you feel being a being a host? It makes me want to evolve to grow two tentacles on my hand and sucker him in the face. <laughs> I guess the other question, because again, like, would you grow them on just your fingers, or would your hand become one whole? Oh, no, I would want fingers. So I wouldn't want my Hand. So would that be would that be ten then, or would that still be two with like just multiple tips on the end? So I would oh would I have ten tentacles because I, of my fingers? I'm not an expert on deep sea isopods. I don't know. I like that, and then I could use my suckers. I could like put like instead of throwing a disc golf disc regularly, I could put it on the top, and I could just like throw it like. That would be worse though, from like an aerodynamics perspective. That's true. Maybe. I probably wouldn't be good at disc golf with the suckers. No, because it, it would stick to the disc. Damn. Yeah, but if you could find out, if you could find a way to re- like release the suction, you could get some major like spin on the disc. Can you imagine the snap sound? It'd be like, like all, it, but but it would be ten times. It'd be. I'm just imagining like a squid on a disc golf course, just like snapping around and. <laughs> How do we that get to this? That's what you need for the team. You need <laughs> yeah. a squid. Yeah. yeah. Just haul it around in the tanks and get it done. <laughs> it's it's got to throw like mostly mm-hmm. like that. I could see the movie already. I could see yeah. the poster. It's not great. But I'm, it's like... think, I'm trying to think of the name of the, sh- the movie now. Oh. Squid. No. I don't know. Oh, call it Squid Games. Squid Games. <laughs> do that on purpose. <laughs> But do no promotion. Yeah. Just squid Games, the movie. Squid and then when people get there, it's just a fucking squid throwing frisbees. Yeah. Like, what is that? Yeah. And it's, and it's funny because it's games, but you only play the one game. Yeah. Like, don't play any other games. It's just different. Not even multiple games of disc golf. Yeah. Literally, like, it's 20 minutes of the game. 
one round of disc golf. It's going to get like a 65 of Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Like, like, we thought that would have been worse, but that's a really impressive squid. Yeah. We're happy yeah, with that number. We're very happy with that yeah, number. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He got a birdie. <laughs> we thought this was just going to be a comedy. We found real talent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's he's actually doing tournaments now. Yeah, yeah. Lawrence the Squid, he's killing Yeah, him. he's MA2 right now. <laughs> oh, my God. This is exactly the level of nerd that I am. Thinking <laughs> about deep sea isopods for ten minutes, and mm. you start. You said one thing about disc golf, and it's not. Yeah, oh, yeah that's how sports work. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm familiar with the sports ball. Sports ball, sports disc. I love like sports ball. When you get like the sports ball and the sports hoop, and get the sports points. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's my favorite part of sports ball. Yeah, they are so sporty. I'm sporting it all the time. <laughs> oh Jesus. All right. Who, who are some of your biggest influences in comedy? And who is your favorite comedian right now? Oh, right now is a hard question. Because, I, again, I've fallen a lot into British panel shows more than anything else. Nice. Like, um, if I was going to pick a stand-up comedian right now, it would probably be either uh, Jimmy Carr or Joe Lysett out of Britain. They're both absolutely fantastic. Uh, Jimmy Carr has such a weird laugh. He laughs like a seal being beat to death in the back alley. It's, Dude, he makes me think he's a beautiful. robot or something like that. It, it, it's, but it's so genuine that it's it's a beautiful thing to see him laugh. It's creepy. It, it's, it, creepy. it's creepy, <laughs> but it's authentically creepy. Yeah. Like, that's so creepy that you couldn't fake that laugh. Yeah. That is that is real. Um, but no, like influence wise, like I was really big on Lewis Black when I was younger. Like I used to. Lewis Black's White Album, I could recite entirely from memory, like when I was like 10 or 11. Nice. Uh, it is now mostly gone because I've tried to write my own jokes. So I have to pick that stuff out of my brain yeah. before I start doing the White Album on stage and make the shit suit out of me. So have you accidentally yeah, like, ever like started uh, getting into that? Uh, I have. <laughs> <laughs> That's happened once or twice. Like I've started a joke and you, know, yeah. you can't finish that joke. Fair use is not going to let you get away with that. Yeah. Oh, it's almost like the time, because uh, I had to ask Roddy before we started recording, like, how much am I allowed to swear on this? As much as you he want, said, man. You as much as I want, but stay the fuck away from Disney songs, because that's fair use bullshit. We don't want any <laughs> of that. And it took me back to, like, the, the first couple of years I was doing comedy, I was doing a, a charity show here. And the guy who hosted the venue had booked a morning news spot for me to talk about the charity show. So I had to go live on the morning news. Oh, and there, there, oh, it was really cool. But there's like these these two competing voices in your head. One's like, you got to talk about the show, promote the show, because it, it was like for like an anti-bullying foundation. Don't swear, really and don't swear, and don't swear, and don't swear, and exactly. don't swear. Well, no, 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 because the other voice in my brain was like, you know, you could probably say fuck on TV, and no one can stop you. Before they get so of course you've got you've got this like lovely news anchor on stage asking you like so what got you into comedy what are you doing the show for and the entire time she's asking you these really like innocent authentic questions your brain's going just say fuck just say fuck you can do it no one can stop it one time so it's it's just this weird back and forth in your head uh it's why i like i struggle to do clean shows yeah same because i I'm a very vulgar person. I'm not, I don't back away from it, which is fine until you're in forward facing or like there was a clean open mic that somebody was trying to run around here. And they're like, you can't even talk about alcohol. I'm like, well, that's like 80% of my personality. So what am I going to talk about? 
Yeah, that's that's tough. When yeah. when you're being limited like that, it's tough to to do anything in comedy. Like, obviously, you can do it. Like, people do it. Oh, yeah. but, like, I don't know. It's it's it, tough having all it, those filters. It's a skill that I wish I had because yeah. it it opens up so many more venues for you. Mm-hmm. But the older I get, like, a lot of people really love clean comedy. Those people are never like where you're because you're practicing at open mics all the time. You, those people are never there. The audience there is drunk college kids, and so you get used to saying things that drunk college kids laugh at, which is saying the word fucking joke if I'm masturbating. Yeah. That's, that's what they laugh at. Yeah. Um, so then you go to do an actual show, and you're doing that material that you've been doing for so long that you're used to people laughing at, and then they don't mm-hmm. because they want you to talk about what you had for dinner the other night. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it's a balancing act you have to land on. And I've gotten better at it as I've gotten older because, you know, I got older, I got more boring, so I stopped doing exciting <laughs> things. <laughs> But it's uh, it's still something I struggle with because fuck is a great word and I'm not going to stop using it. Yeah. Like if you want, I I would rather filter the content than the language I use for the content. If that makes sense. No, that makes sense for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like so, you like you said, you can't say anything about alcohol. You would rather have that be the filter rather than say you can't say fuck. Right. People get offended by words and that bothers me because words are the delivery mechanism. Now, if I walked up and called your three-year-old a cocksucker, yeah, you should sanction me for using that word. Yeah. Because that's not appropriate in that context. But, like, if you're at a 21-plus comedy show and somebody says the word fuck like that. Yeah, you shouldn't be. You, as the audience, should have been braced for that kind of thing. Yeah. If you're at any comedy show, you should be able to say the word fuck. I mean, you're at a comedy show. You're obviously an adult. Your mind's developed enough that you should understand that that word's out there. Yeah, you guys, you should be able to say frick. And, uh, are we? <laughs> I like that you did that after you've already said that six times. <laughs> like, now you're trying to backpedal to the moral high ground. I don't know. I just, I, I like, I get queen comedy and people want queen comedy, but I, the only reason I don't do it is I, I think I could do it, but I don't want to sit there and think about if I'm being queen or not. Comedy should be comedy. You should be who you are. Well, and I think the audience can kind of tell, like, if it's not in your comfort zone as a performer. Yep. Like, they can tell you're in your head when you're telling the joke. You're not in the moment. You're not. Your flow is like, way off. Love... Oh, yeah. And the audience can tell. Whereas, like, if you're just being you in the moment, that's where, like, one, some of the best crowd work I've ever done has come from. Like, I'm just being me. And yeah. it works out. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah when, you're, when you're in your head... It feels like you're reading off a script you see in your head as opposed to doing an act. Yeah, and you're not present. You're Right. Yeah, you're doing your act. And they can tell. 100% the audience can tell. Yeah, you're thinking about some uh, things that you shouldn't be thinking about when you're doing a comedy set. Right. And I, I get that way a lot because I have my notes up there. I'm trying to get away from my notes if, if possible, but I just want to get all the material out there. So then once I get all the, the stuff that I don't know, then I can get to the stuff that I that works and that I like. I, I, I do love that you're trying to break a habit of not using notes, and I'm making you do a show where you have to look at a bunch of notes. I know, I know. That's funny. That's like the whole show is. Oh, the whole show. Yeah. 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 That's funny. Because I can't stop doing game shows because I have an addiction. <laughs> like, yeah, I could do normal stand-up shows, but I've been doing that for six years, and like, as much as I love doing stand-up, it gets stale. Like, sometimes, like, I have to do something different or I'm going to go mad. Yeah. So and game shows are fun. They they are fun. Especially if it's, like, the type of show that you can get the audience. Like, again, like, I'll talk about these trivia shows to death because I love them. Mm-hmm. When you get the audience involved in the show, like, like you tell the audience, like, you can win the game if you try hard enough. Yeah. And the audience gets super into it. Um, 
our show, I don't think it's going to have that. Uh, that one-liner show is not going to have that format because if somebody in the crowd starts to be funnier than us, I'm probably just going to kick them out. Because yeah. It's, it's my dojo if you stay out of it. Yeah, that's funny. That'd be funny if the audience member wins. The, then they have to do Then they have to do a set at the end? Yeah. Uh, they would only be demoralizing if they were great. And yeah. Like, oh, man, this guy that we didn't even pay to do this did a better show yeah. than us. How much do we pay him? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think any of it. No, one. nothing. Yeah, they just, yeah. They they showed up. It's there. It's on them. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Now watch. You buy him one drink. Right? Now watch. Don't be a dick about it. Yeah. Now watch. We're gonna have like Brian Regan is just gonna show up <laughs> randomly, and he's gonna just be the keep funniest dream, keep guy. Keep dreaming, ever. buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to. Brian Regan just like in Duluth in January. That's so. Well, funny. it happens, you know. I just. <laughs> I just. My, I'm just hoping. What happened? Well, Rowdy kidnapped Brian Reese. <laughs> and he brought him, and to, he the brought him to the show. Yeah, he... Uh... But Brian was a great sport. <laughs> why? I was wondering why he was in handcuffs. Yeah. It was weird. <laughs> Apparently, it's not just a sex thing. <laughs> I, I thought Roddy and him had a thing going. I, you never know, you know? Which, I mean, you know, good for you. That is... <laughs> if I can land Brian Regan. I mean, I'd be thrilled. Oh, Are you I, kidding me? Yeah. yeah. I'd probably bode well for my comedy career. I think he's just independently charming. Like, yeah, I'd be, I'd, I'd, have, I'd have a good time. With yeah. Him. Roddy would I need would a change of clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I'd just be like, I'm just going to follow you. I'm going to be your pet. <laughs> <laughs> That's a turn. I, yeah. I know. Well, I wasn't braced for. I wasn't either. I, I, learned, just, I learned a lot about Roddy. I, 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 like, offended myself. <laughs> this ever, that is the best joke well, like you say it then you're offended and I'm like I have to keep telling you yeah, 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 yeah. you're just you're stuck and yeah well because it creates the, that moment of vulnerability where everybody's <laughs> uncomfortable and for a moment you look at the audience and went okay that happened yeah we're gonna well, digest it and well, we're gonna move on we're just gonna enjoy what just happened <laughs> I don't know that they enjoyed it I think it's more like a we're gonna collectively process this and it's going to bring us together as a group oh and we're never going to speak of it ever <laughs> i just i i like i like doing that stuff every now and then like because i just enjoy awkwardness sometimes like not all the time but it is kind of fun to like just sit in that awkwardness for a little bit i can't stand it you don't I, like it no like literally like i, I feel like i'm getting too meta talking about doing the recording but like we did the 30 seconds yeah like yeah. just to create empty space and the whole time i'm sitting there like i have never been silent for this long in my entire life <laughs> and as like as a comedian I, I think i can comfortably say that every comedian on the planet is a towering narcissist like we have to be talking about yeah. this say all the time it's what we do so to be obligated to sit there and do nothing for 30 seconds is like it's tough. It, yeah. Yeah, we have to do it. Every episode, we sit there for 30 seconds right before because you got to capture everything so that way you can do it in the editing and, and take all that stuff that you've captured. That's why I said do the stuff you might want to do. Because it gets you a line for the yeah. background noise yeah. to filter out. Exactly. And then it gets you a buffer to, for the edit because you can cut it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, I understand, like, practically why to do it. That does not make it not torture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stuff. They're gonna tell me we're gonna do it at the end too, so be ready for another thirty seconds where you have to shut the fuck up. Yeah, we're, we're gonna do it, but there's not a logical reason to do it. Uh, yeah, now, <laughs> now it's just we're gonna make Chad uncomfortable again. Yeah, and uh, I endorse that meta joke one hundred percent. Now I'll be upset if we don't do it, which is a very conflicting set of opinions yeah. to have. 
Like, if you don't do this thing, I know it's going to make me angry. I'm going to be angry that you didn't do it. Yeah. Should we Should we do it live, like, on air? Do the, <laughs> the 30 seconds? <laughs> it'd, make, it, it, it'd make for a good podcast. Just to drag everybody else yeah. down with us. like. Yeah, if you guys want to join, it, it might be at the end. I might surprise everybody with 30 seconds of silence. Dude. And then you just get to enjoy the, the sound of nature or the sound of your bathroom. I'll go find a saxophone. I, will, I don't know. <laughs> find one somewhere. You're going to run to the music store quick and go get one? I've never run anywhere in my life. <laughs> that is, I will not stand for that kind of slander. Do not insinuate that I perform <laughs> physical activity. I'm sorry, I even mentioned physical activity. Yeah, no, talking about running is tiring me out. Like, <laughs> That's funny. All right, so you kind of answered this one before, but I do want to get a little deeper into it. Right. Um, when was the first time you ever went on stage? What was it like, and where did you start? Because I know you said you started on your birthday, but you didn't say, was it here in Duluth? It was here in Duluth. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, yeah, I was here in Duluth about six years ago. Um, can we say the places? I don't know if we can talk about the places. Yeah, yeah. I don't, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I we talked about it because like if, if we have shows and stuff there, we we say it. We like yes. we use this as like a marketing so at the end we're actually going to ask if you have any shows coming up and stuff like that so um i know this one is actually going to be like people are going to be listening to this after our show that we're putting together um so we can talk about the show but it's not really going to we should talk about it as if it already happened exactly yeah Yeah. but i mean we i always talk about some shit i know it was it was so bad i I can't know it's it's gonna be i'm actually really excited for that show i am too it's gonna be my favorite thing about that show is that I have had to write absolutely zero thing for it. Yeah. No, I take that back. I've been writing like little roast jokes for comedians beforehand. Oh, like, nice. I shouldn't do nothing. I yeah. should not make you do all the work. I should make you do like 97% of it. I'll take and it. And then just do the promoting because that's way less work for me. Yeah. And I would not mind writing your coattails into like oblivion. Yeah. And, and you also said that you had some punchlines too for, for some of them. Uh, I did. And I really wish I'd written them down. Oh, uh, no, sure. see if I remember. <laughs> Roddy, Roddy is a phenomenal promoter. I, I. So I should make him do that too, and then I should just host the show. Is what I'm I, I'm a social media guru. I'm pretty sure yeah. I don't do social media very no, well. No, I'm not a very good promoter. Well, that's why Bandy's the host, and you're the. No, I'm. The see, host. he's getting it. I, I, I knew we <laughs> had him on here for a reason. No, he's the co-host. I'm the host. <laughs> Uh. Fuck, I totally forgot what you had. Oh, right, my first time on stage. Uh, so <laughs> Dublin's here in town. Uh, I love the room at Dublin. I love Dublin. That's the nicest thing I can say about that. Because it's true. It's, yeah, it's, it's a true. fantastic room. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just... It was kind of surreal, I think is the best way. Because to describe the first time where something you wanted to do but were terrified to be bad at and, like, it was the first time you were actually good at something. Like, well, I like this and I'm good at it. That's never happened before. Yeah. Which in your mid twenties is an epiphany to have. It's like I can do a thing. Yeah. And the people are laughing on purpose instead of on accident. <laughs> you like you can control the laugh at that point. Well, as much as you can control yeah. an audience. Yeah. Because yeah. heckling. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. 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 yeah what's a heck? <laughs> I was waiting for him to that, say anything. That's I, I literally walked right into that. <laughs> I, just, I thought it'd be funny. I was, yeah, yeah. Points to you. 
Are we keeping score? I don't know how far yeah, I, I, I'm at I'm at eight thousand points right now. Accumulate accum I can't even say the word. Accumulatively. Cumulatively. Cumulatively. Yeah. That's what I said. Yeah. That's the whole thing I said. So now that I just lost points. So, <laughs> so when did you start? What what uh, Well, based based on like his ability, I'm gonna say probably two weeks ago. Oh, sorry, I had to roast it. I, I I wish I was that talented. <laughs> no, it's either been five or six years, and I suspect that I have the problem that everybody who was a starting comedian like the two or three years before COVID had, where you were you went from like one open like we had one open mic in town we started two more so we had three a week up here like collectively between all the comedians here um you were just starting to feature in some shows you were just starting to take off and then everybody closed everything mm -hmm. so now like all this local work you were getting is gone but you don't have a rapport to like you haven't established yourself online yet you haven't really got anything trending in that direction so you don't yeah. have that open to you but you also aren't big enough to command like live online shows either so basically you do that and then covid resolved itself as it did and you basically felt like you were starting over because mm. not only were you not performing you probably weren't writing anything yeah. you were you know dealing with the modern nightmarish dystopia that is our lives in america now yeah and we could talk about that for six hours. Oh, yeah. And so it felt like it almost felt like the time I was doing comedy before I was before COVID didn't matter because all your topical stuff is gone because all those jokes are sold. You can't use them. You've got the jokes you were telling for the year beforehand that you've ingrained in your head. You've got the stuff that is so rusty that you've forgotten it. So you basically have to write it from scratch. So yeah, I started doing comedy like five, six years ago. But it feels like I've only been doing it for two years ago. Mm. That's tough. It is. Especially because, like, when you're getting to, like, that feature spot and, like, like that, there's a lot you can go from the feature spot because, obviously, like, you have enough material. You can, mm -hmm. you can keep going to do all these shows, and then eventually you're, you're trying to get to that headlining spot. Well, then, if you are at that feature spot, if you didn't quite get to that headliner spot, then it's the, the, the breaks just yeah. on you. It really does. I, although I do have to say, it is better, at least in Duluth now, than it was before COVID. The comedy scene is way better. Uh, there are venues that we've happened across that have been like super supportive. Uh, I, I got to give props to the Caddyshack here. Yeah. Right because not only have like Steph and Chris, the other two, they've been super phenomenal, like just supporting the open mic that we do there. Uh, letting us put on whatever show we use there, not charging us to use the space. It's been, and like, and not just like a showcase show or like a traditional stand-up show, but like uh, I've done the trivia shows there. We've got the one-liner show. They've done roast battles there. Somebody did a comedy dating show that's yeah. happened. <laughs> the, the best week of my life was that uh, they asked me to be in that show. I'm like, well, Conveniently for me, you've scheduled it the weekend, and I'm going to Milwaukee to see Primus. So no, oh. because I'm that's Primus. Yeah, like, yeah. You could, have, you could have told me I was headlining at the Apollo. I'm like that's great, but I have tickets to see Primus doing a Rush tribute tour. <laughs> so I'm not going to make it. <laughs> I'm out. I'm, I'm sorry. Mm. Like, I love comedy. It is by far 
my second favorite thing in the world because Rush was a thing. Yeah. And when you tell me that Primus is doing a tribute to Rush's A Farewell to Kings, I'm driving to Milwaukee and no one's stopping me. Yeah. Did you know Milwaukee has an art museum? Oh, no, I didn't. No, it's super cool, which is weird, because I expected to spend a weekend in Wisconsin and be surrounded by just a bunch of alcoholics who didn't know what they were talking about. Well, but you they were. have a really nice art museum <laughs> full of alcoholics who don't know what they're talking about. But it's, <laughs> it's, that's funny. But they've got, like, Rembrandts in the background, so I'm like, oh, that's cool. So there's something to look at outside of the entertainment of the there city. is like like as far as like cities i've spent time in like milwaukee is actually probably one of my favorites and not just because i found a place that does vegan bratwurst oh because uh, I'm, I'm a vegetarian which people don't believe because i'm also almost 300 pounds and most people have never seen a fat vegetarian before <laughs> so it's like it's like finding a unicorn <laughs> and you also do comedy so you can actually talk oh, about it too and that's the problem is is that you say that you say that you're a vegetarian and people look at you and they go no you're not I'm like just follow me to the end of the joke. Yeah. <laughs> just wait 30 seconds before yeah. you judge my appearance <laughs> oh. i'm learning yeah, a lot no. about you chad Oh, yeah. That, I mean, that's kind of the point, isn't it? Yeah, that's what that is. If you were doing an interview of me and then learned nothing, I'd be like, something went wrong. Yeah, that, that's a failed interview. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's our job, Andy, as hosts. Um, maybe you didn't understand that because you're the co-host. Um, no. Anyways, let's... Uh... <laughs> the more times I can set you guys up for that joke, the better I'm going to feel about oh, yeah. the episode. Yeah. That is, that is the joke of the show. It's been going since day one. I don't think it's a joke yeah. anymore. No, it's... <laughs> I think it's gotten under our skin too much. I think mm. it's this horse that you guys find that keeps beating with sticks. Yeah. It's been dead for several years. Oh, it's, mm. yeah, it's been, uh, we're going to keep going. Man. Yeah, every week you're like, oh, well, got the sticks again. Here's the horse again. <laughs> I got to ask you, are you, where are you from, Chad? Are you Canadian? Oh, God, I, that would be a way better backstory. No, I'm from Ohio. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no one's ever said, oh, wow, before. Most people go, oh, God, I'm so sorry. Like, uh, living in Ohio is so weird because the joke among Ohio residents is that the motto for our state is, welcome to Ohio. Ha-ha, now you're stuck in Ohio. <laughs> it's just, you've got Cleveland, which is not a great city to be in because the Browns are there. And I'm a diehard Cleveland Browns fan. But they are, to quote a comedian from there, um, a factory of sadness. <laughs> uh, and then you've got Cincinnati, who has a museum that thinks that Jesus rode a dinosaur. And those are your two cities that you have to talk to people about. So I would love to have been from Canada because at least I would have gotten a fun accent. <laughs> Nothing. Well, when you Sorry, did, when, when you did your French, I, you sounded French Canadian. So I was like, and then you started talking. A little bit more, and like you sound a little bit more Canadian. It's like it's it's an affectation I've tried to adapt because if I can hide where I'm actually from, <laughs> that's probably better for everybody involved. Um, mm. I mean, I, I have like great friends in Ohio, and my family is also there. I gr I grew up in Indiana, <laughs> so the, Ohio has a lot. I mean, don't you have the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Yeah, that's uh. You know, not as cracked up as it's laid out to be. <laughs> uh, it, it might have been like 
back in like the day. 90s, yeah, things like that. But now it's it's more of just a modern like pop music culture museum. Uh, like they had Lady Gaga's meat dress in there for a while after that, which they turned into jerky to keep it. Believe it or not. What? But they don't sell it at the gift shops. Like, well, what's the fuck point? I would eat that. Yeah, that's probably not good for you. I would Someone wore that. I would not eat that. But no, it, and like, obviously, yeah, these are cultural music icons. But like, like you put rock and roll, like, yeah. have a separate music yeah. hall of fame. Yeah, I like that idea. Yeah, but... You guys also had Cedar... Also, you have Cedar Point there, too, right? Cedar Point is bitching. That I will give you. Uh, you haven't seen uh, somebody really express themselves as a human being where... It's going to kill me from telling the story. But we had a buddy of mine in high school who was terrified of heights, like absolutely terrified of heights, terrified of roller coasters, wouldn't get on. So we took him on the Millennium Force there, which is like one of the most famous roller coasters in the world. And you had to wait two hours to get on this coaster. Jeez. So, oh yeah, it's crazy. So he's waiting in line with us the whole time, like just scared as shit, right? We finally get him on the coaster. Uh, it's a two-minute ride. And the way it starts is they take you up to the top and then the first hill is, I think, 93 or 94 degrees. So it's not – it goes down and then in and then right back out. So wow. it is a more than vertical straight yeah. drop. Dang. Um, and then the coaster, the ride itself is like another two minutes after that. Uh, we get to the end of it. We look at my buddy and we go, Andy, how you holding up? He's like, man, I, I literally pissed myself. Oh, <laughs> shit. And, <laughs> And that is the most fun I've ever had. And now he's like, a, he's like an adrenaline junkie. Yeah. Now. Like we, every time we try to go back, I try to go back home. It's been years, but it's like, yeah, let's go to see your point. Let's fucking yeah. go. So you changed his life that day. Yeah. Yeah. He in one ride got over. Wow. So, so, so for our listeners that don't know, can you tell us what Cedar Point is? Uh, it is one of the largest amusement parks I think in the United States, uh, and it's right on Lake Erie, and it's got. It's got that Millennium Force. It's also got the Top Thrill Dragster, which for the longest time had the record for the fastest coaster in the United States. The ride is, I think, 13 seconds, uh, and you go from 0 to 140 miles an hour in about 6 seconds. Wow. And it basically shoots you straight forward, straight up, straight back down around the other side, and that's the whole ride. It's less than 14 seconds. And again, you're in line for two hours to ride yeah. this thing for a 14-second ride. Holy cow. I want to try that for sure. Is it, can you get like fast passes so it's not as long? Uh, no. No? There, there is. There wasn't at the time, but I, mean, I haven't okay. been there in like seven, eight years. So, man. I don't know what's changed since then. I want to go, but that's a long. You're only going to get like four rides in in a day. Oh, yeah. Sometimes. Uh, those are the only two with super long ones. Like most of the coasters you get on in okay. 10 minutes. Okay. You'd ride the Millennium Forest, you'd ride Top Thrill. And a lot of times, like, if you'd been there more than once, you'd do one or the other because you've done them before. Okay, yeah. And then they'd have new rides that came up every once in a while. Um, you would ride the Raptor, which everybody called the Nutcracker, because it was one of those rides where you stood up on and had, like, shoulder belts on, but then they had this uh, piece where you basically straddle in the middle, oh. which was not comfortable for men because there were a lot of vertical ups and downs. Yeah. So if you, if you weren't, if those shoulder bars weren't tight, you were bashing the shit out of your yeah. testicles on this thing that is probably responsible for uh more cases of male infertility in ohio than anything else i could possibly think of <laughs> well that and just being a browns fan it, it, it's the intersection of the two oh. well, that's that's more of a cause of abstinence <laughs> right? 
backwards. <laughs> Actually, no. Psychologically, that's probably backwards because most women in Ohio, their standards are so low from the Cleveland Browns. They're like, well, uh, you can't be worse than that. Yeah. Yeah. That did not work for me in college either, it turns yeah. out. This, this did not sell well. <laughs> but I bet the ladies liked that ride. The ladies like it? Uh, there were mixed reviews on it. Oh, okay. So some some of the ladies that some of them really you know were into it, and then some of them were like it was like having my vagina hit with a meat tenderizer. So they had to like it rough. Yeah, I was gonna say they got to like it rough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you learned what brand of crazy to avoid. Oh, okay. Riding that coaster with people. So you you bring your girlfriend, and if she liked it, you'd be like, "Well, this has been fun, but um, well, that... statistically, you're gonna steal my organs." So. <laughs> statistically. Nice. <laughs> Usually the kind of women I chase. <laughs> That's why humans have two kidneys in case she steals one. Yeah, like, exactly. You can make that mistake once and yeah. live. I, that's why I have fake organs scattered throughout my body, just so I hope that they take the fake one. That that didn't work. That's either. not well. I, mean, <laughs> I thoroughly believe you don't know enough about anatomy to know oh, where to put the fake organs. I don't. Need, I would put a heart like right here. No, you would like grab the little things from like the operation board game <laughs> and just swallow them. And like, yeah, I've got fake organs now. She's never gonna find the real ones. And she does stick up. I can't remember the comedian, but he was talking about his family and how much he loved them. I can't remember the bit completely, but he was like. My brother was so kind, he gave me one of his kidneys. So he's got one kidney now. I got three. <laughs> oh, I, oh, God. I've heard that. I don't know who it is either. That's going to bother me now. Uh, so, all right. Um, How long were you or have you been an open micer? Like, do you still consider yourself an open micer or a feature act or... I'd like to think of myself as a feature act, but again, it, it, you kind of hit that hard reset on COVID, and it's turned more into a thing where I produce more of my shows than I'm in other people's shows, um, which I don't mind, um, because then I get to set the terms for my show, so that's a lot nicer to me. Um, but it is kind of frustrating to like not be in other like traditional stand-up shows as often as I'd like to be. Yeah. We've got our show that we technically just did, except not a time of recording. Yeah. Um, and then I've got another show in February that I'm doing a spot for, but it's a lot of like showcases and stuff like that. Mm. We're, we, we're, we've been doing a lot of things in the loop where you get local comedians. Uh, and I think my biggest problem that I need to get back into doing is like recording a bunch of these shows and sending them into places. Um, I hate watching recordings. I take that back. I love watching recordings of myself because, again, power and narcissism. Which, like, <laughs> I, when this episode comes out, I will listen to it twice a day for two weeks. I guarantee oh, you, because I love the sound of my own voice and I love to hear it. <laughs> but then you go to it's rare. Oh, other people have to hear this, and then my brain goes, "It has to be perfect." <laughs> it's not that I don't want them to see it. It's like it has to be perfect. Yeah. So, like, I had a set that I thought absolutely killed at an open mic. I'm like, oh, I should keep this recording until I got to the end of it. Because I forgot, because it was a joke about a Subway foot long, and I accidentally said Subway foot dog. <laughs> and it got a huge laugh, yeah. right? Because he said dog. <laughs> but I'm like, well, yeah, but now I can't use that, because the, the, the joke is now shot. Yeah. And I want, like, if I'm sending this to an agency, like, yeah, maybe seeing me recover from a flub like that would be great. And the recovery was good. But then you're missing out on the joke. And the yeah. joke is what I'm trying to sell. Like the the brand and the act, not the, oh, I can make myself look like an ass and just recover from it. 
like I work retail. That's what he did for 30 years. Yeah, so yeah. Well, I mean, that's like a talent in itself, too. So, I mean, it is. It, it, yeah. But it was also it was also the closing joke of the set. So I'm like, oh, do yeah. You, you want to look like the guy who trips at the finish line and then has to salvage a show. Like if I had done that a minute into the set, I, I think it would have looked a lot better. Yeah, and you could have salvaged that and shown like, right. oh, yeah, I am able to get out of it. And yeah, but right. at the end, yeah, I, I guess it would show a little yeah, bit different. I would still hire you. But I don't. I hired you. I know. So I was gonna say I haven't done shows yet. So. <laughs> I've, I've done one show, or no, two shows. I've ever done two shows ever. One before COVID and one after COVID. But that's it. And I didn't even like. The show came to me. I didn't even like try to do the show. Yeah, you've got to teach me how you do that. I I don't know how I did it. I just one of one of the people at the casino was like, "Hey, I want to do a show at my my place." I'm like. Okay, I'll, I'll talk to some people and see what we can do, and we put it together. So it's fun. Although, that, like once you're at the show, yeah, it's always fun. It's, it's the, just that before doing, like getting it all set up, doing all the. Well, it's not even that. The worst part is like the day of the show, like the two hours before. Especially if I'm just performing, it's like, oh, I'm gonna have a couple drinks, so I yeah. can get just drunk enough to do this, and then do my time. It's gonna be fun. Yeah. But when you're producing the show, it's the why aren't all the comics here yet? Oh. And it, are, is anybody else going to flub anything up? Am I going to get asses in seats to make a profit on this? Like, yeah. You have all those anxieties that don't stop until literally the minute you start the show. Yeah. Yeah, that that is that's a tough. Have you? This is a question I have for you guys uh, because it's something that, as a producer, is irritating. Why are comedians never on time? It's <laughs> fucking mystery to me, and I do not understand it. Yeah, like it, like <clears throat> comics are in the blade of an open mic funch or whatever. But like when you've got a seven o'clock show that your headliner is walking in the door at six fifty seven, like are you fucking serious? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have we could like we need to like get some stuff figured out. I can tell you all this stuff, and yeah, no, I understand. I, I think you're talking to the there. two wrong comedians. I think me and Roddy are always usually a half hour early to everything. <laughs> I try. But then you you see other people doing it. Oh, all the time. It makes no sense. Mm-hmm. The, the, the worst show, the, one of the worst shows I ever to do, it was a casino down in Danbury uh, that I was just doing a guest spot for. Um, this was like maybe the first year of my career. And we go down. I'm only supposed to do like 10 minutes. And then the feature I was going down with, uh, he was going to do a half hour. So we get there. Uh, it's December. It's snowing as it does. The show's supposed to start at 7.30. We get there at like 6.45. Uh, and the, the guy at the venue is like, the headliner's going to be late because he's driving here from Chicago. And I don't know what time he's going to get here. Oh, and wow. you guys just vamp for as long as humanly possible. Oh. So instead of the 10 minutes I was I had written, I did about 35. Oh, wow. And then the feature that I think close to 50. Yeah. And then the, the, the host of the show ended up doing like a 15-minute set at the beginning just to buy some extra time just in case. Yeah. Like, I'm going to – we need to stretch this out. The Holy headline shit. doesn't get in the building till 10 to 9. Oh, whoa. So by the time he gets on stage, he's on stage at like 9.30. You would think he would do – like, he does an hour. 
mm-hmm. of material still. Yeah. So now you've got people who, like, normally the show is already over. Yeah. They've now watched a four-hour show. And it was the type of room where, like, it was an interesting room to do, but it was, like, the same crowd literally every time. Because it was at a casino. So yeah, like, yeah. They're in the, the, the guest room, wherever, where they did the show. It's the same people who are in that, like, the premiere club or whatever. They're here to drink and watch a show. They know it's the same comedians. Which was funny for me because there was this one table of four who they always sat in the front. It was the same four people, and they heard ninety percent of these jokes before, <laughs> so they were fun to riff off of. Yeah, because, you know they were finding something to the point where they had comebacks with some of the stuff. Like you were helping me more than you could possibly know. Right yeah, now. like as much as I don't normally endorse this kind of thing, like we need to fill for time. Yeah, you're you're lucky you didn't lose the crowd. Uh, well, because that's not the worst. Like the. There was an open mic I did once. It was one of the mics I ran before COVID. Uh, and we were getting close to the show. And literally the only two people in the venue are me and the bartender. Like, there's no one else here. <laughs> so I, I look at uh, – Kurt was his name. Kurt was, like, one of the best bartenders I've ever had. He had a great sense of humor. And because he would always go, like, I should just do you guys' jokes and do them on stage because it would be funny. I'm like, I would Kurt. Yeah. <laughs> But I look at Kurt and like, look, I'm not going to, we're not going to do this, right? There is literally no point in me doing material you've heard 30 times to an empty room. So I pay my bill. I'm getting ready to leave. And a waitress sits this couple down at one of the tables. And the waitress asks him, oh, what brings you guys out tonight? And the wife goes, well, it's our fifth anniversary. And we heard there was comedy here tonight. And we really want to laugh right now. I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> So I do an hour for this couple. I, I fill the whole time slot by <laughs> myself. Shit. Oh god, it was it was brutal. Uh, they had a blast. They lo- I don't know if they actually loved it or if they were just being polite, but I got laughs out of them. Like so, it's that. And you've been doing it up in the Northland long enough, and they, I've seen this kind of in the cities, but not as much. Where people will not laugh at a joke, but then come up to you after the show and tell you how much they loved it. Yeah. Like because they don't want to be rude. They don't want to laugh in the middle of the show. I'm like, okay, but I need you to do that. Doesn't even work. Yeah, yeah. I, I need the immediate I feedback. Need the feedback. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's also like I love doing shows where like people are quoting your jokes to themselves as you're, especially when you're like just a feature and then you hear them quoting your jokes and not the headliners. Like you, I just get this shit-eating grin on my face. Oh, same. Yeah, I, I've had that happen where you're just like talking to somebody after the show and then like, I love this joke and you're like. You remembered like some of my material. That's awesome. Like, it's not even like they're talking to you. Like, they're telling your jokes to their friends mm-hmm. as they're leaving. And, like, mm-hmm. that is that feels great. Um, or like, I had one guy like ask everybody in the show for an autograph just because he felt bummed because he had. I think he saw Bob Dylan like before Bob Dylan had made a big. Oh. And didn't get an autograph from him. He's like, I'm never like I don't care if you guys aren't ever gonna make it, but if you do, I'm not rolling those dice. I'm yeah. Autograph. Like that's. Honestly, paranoid, but I'll sign the poster, whatever. Well, I mean, it was just authentic. Like he had a good time and wanted to keep something for him. I thought that was really mm-hmm. cool. That is really cool, especially like if that happened to me and I missed out on like a Bob Dylan or like that's I that would or be somebody amazing. better. Yeah. <laughs> I should not say that. that I live in Duluth. That, <laughs> I thought it was good. Like, you can't shit on Bob Dylan up here. I'm like, well, I'm did. going to. Yeah. Not I, I don't have a problem with Bob Dylan, but I do like if I've got a mediocre opinion of somebody and somebody has a great opinion of them, there is a gold mine of material in the middle that I have no problem building into. Yeah. Devil's advocate, man. Oh yeah, for sure. 
Yeah. So like, I'll, I'll do, I'll do a better example. Somebody lower than Bob Dylan, um, maybe like Rush. Oh, <laughs> you're, you're saying that to a man who has a complete Rush vinyl collection. <laughs> I have like one of the things I'm most proud of that I own. Like back when I lived in Ohio, Rush was doing uh, the the Time Machine tour. It was the 30 year anniversary for the Moving Pictures album one with Tom Sawyer on it, and better songs. And <laughs> I love Tom Sawyer, but you, I saw Rush five times. The only song I've heard them play five times, Tom Sawyer. They had 20 <laughs> studio albums, um, but they did. Uh, a live show where they did all of moving pictures and they released the live recording of that on vinyl and the show they recorded was the show i was at in cleveland oh that's so cool. i've got the vinyl of the show that i was at and it's just it's it's so cool that, that. that's so cool because like that's like not only an experience that you had but you get to like relive that experience oh over constantly over. yeah that's really cool okay i'll give you that that that's yeah, awesome. that is oh, all right um, how many times do you think you should be going on stage every week? And do you think it matters? Ooh. I mean, it depends on how talented you are, right? Ultimately, like, I think if I had an opportunity to be on stage at five open mics a week, definitely, just to get the practice in. And also because it's the only thing I do where I leave my house and stuff. It, it keeps me from going completely insane. Um, I think it's got to be a balance between how often you go on stage and how often you write. Because I do find that like when I go on stage three, four times a week, I'm not doing new material when I'm doing it because I'm taking time out of the day where I would normally be writing or working on something to do stuff that might need some polish for sure, but isn't new. So, and then I get bored and I get into a rut and I don't write anything. So if you find that going out every night is getting in the way of your writing, Back off. Yeah. Because, like, even the jokes, I a lot of the jokes I did before COVID, like, yeah, I lost a bunch. But there is a bunch, and they're, like, four or five-minute jokes that are burned into my brain, and they're not going anywhere. Mm. So I don't I don't need to be practicing those as much. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, you do them, you get feedback, maybe new ways to tell the joke, and that's useful. But if, if going out all the time and rehearsing the same material is keeping you from writing something new, maybe strike a balance there. Mm. I guess is the best way to think about it. Yeah, then maybe back away and then do more writing rather right. than. Well, because yeah. you're half writer, half performer. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the general rule of stand up, says the guy who's been doing it for only a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> but you do, you, you've got to strike it back because if you're not doing anything new, you're going to feel stale. Mm -hmm. Like, And when you can tell you're stale, like, if you, because you've seen it with some open mic comics where they go a lot and they do the same thing and you can tell they're not bringing, like, yeah, there's only a handful of people in the room, but they're not bringing their energy. Mm -hmm. Your number one thing, if you're if you're on that stage, you're a comedian and you've got to be in. Like, yeah, it's a small room and yeah, they're not laughing. And you do your you do your set and you do your set the way you would do it if that room was full. Yeah, because that's you don't get better if you don't do that. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to build a reputation as somebody who's not bringing energy into their performance, who's not going in and being the them that they are on stage. Yeah. And the comedians especially can tell when somebody's not bringing their A-game, not trying. Yeah, you can see if somebody's phoning it in for sure. For sure. But, like, if you feel like you're phoning it in even in a good room because you've been doing it a lot, take a step back, process it. Yeah. Yeah, because you still want it to be, like, as if you're doing it, like, for the first right. time. Like, 
each joke should feel like it's you're it's coming out of your mouth for the first time. And, and it's the same as like any other job. Like sometimes you just need fucking vacation. Sometimes yeah. you have to step back and yeah, you know, process everything. Yeah. yeah, if you can't if you can't treat it like a paid ticket show, then you shouldn't be up there. Right. Yeah. Because you're you're and, just and, you you're know, just creating bad habits. Right, and then they don't go away, and yeah. then you have to work harder to get them out of your mm-hmm. out of your set. You know, you don't want that. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to lose material just because you lost all of your energy for it. Well, it's not even about losing the material; it's about losing your stage presence. Mm-hmm. It's about, oh, yeah. It's about coming off as somebody who isn't a comedian; it's somebody who tells jokes, and there's a difference. Yeah, right? like there just is. You don't want to be somebody who tells jokes. You want to be a comedian, mm-hmm. and you want the audience to look at you and go, "That's a comedian, not that's that's my buddy who's on stage telling jokes." Yeah. Ooh, I never looked yeah. at it like that. What was that? I said I've never looked at it like that. Yeah. Ooh, that would hurt. It would. Yeah. yeah like if you, it, especially if you've been doing it for a long time, and somebody just like thought like, "Oh, that's just a funny guy." Like, no, that's yeah. a comedian. Mm-hmm. I haven't been doing this for six years to just be a funny guy. Yeah, yeah. You want to be known as a comedian. Yeah. yeah. Now, if you're a comedian who's not a funny guy, that's a problem, too. That is. Then you're, then you're just a dickhead, yeah. right? <laughs> I can accept that. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Um, Is comedy what you thought it would be? Yes and no, because you need like a hand wavy answer to solve for time where you're thinking what to actually say. <laughs> um, the creative process is different than I thought it would be. Because when I was younger and people would tell me like how funny I should be a comedian, I was being like authentic in a moment and being witty and people were interpreting that as being, you know, a stand up comedian. And it is you you have material, you have process, you have writing to do a lot of like reflecting and refining and practicing. Um but a lot of that writing starts when I'm just in a natural environment and I say something that's witty and now I carry a notebook. And the the performing, I think, is pretty much like I thought it would be because it's uh, I'm making people laugh on purpose, which is different than making them laugh on accident because we've all been to high school. We remember what that was like. Mm-hmm. You don't need to live through that again. Um, <laughs> He's having flashbacks. Okay, it's it's like Vietnam, but with teenage hormones. It's just, <laughs> especially when you had the guy in high school who pretended to have Vietnam flashbacks. And like he, oh god, I still remember. Like I went to my senior prom because my parents convinced me to do a lot of stupid things when I was younger. And when he faked the Nam flashback in the middle, of, like flipped the table, said something about Charlie's coming out of trees, just like like, dude, you're 18. Oh my god. You weren't even old enough to be in a movie about Vietnam. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, it was a high school in rural Ohio. Half, half the people there were drunk anyway. Like, yeah, we were expecting this. Dial it back a little bit. Don't break any furniture. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, the, the performing, I thought, like, having done it for a few years now, I thought that it wouldn't get stale. Mm. Part of it does, because even when you're doing, like, a feature set, like, part of it is you are opening and closing with one of the same two jokes every time. Like, you've got every comic who, I've got the number of shows I've gone to, because one, my 
best opening bit is like a four minute rant about McDonald's. I love that bit. It's, it's such a good bit. <laughs> but the problem is, is that it becomes the bit that people recognize you for. Mm. So when you go to a place and you don't do that bit, people are like, why aren't you talking about McDonald's? Because like, I have other sets. Yeah. Like, if I do the same set every time, I'm going to stop getting booked for smaller shows. So people want something new, especially when you're going to the same venue over and over. Like, if I was touring up more and, like, like if I was going to places other than Duluth and Minneapolis and Brainerd and places like that that are close, like, yeah, I, you do the same thing twice a week as, like, punch the time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to do it every every show you're in for six months at a time, it does get stale. Um, but the flip side of that is when you've got different crowds that hear the stuff, everybody's got a different reaction. To yeah. Things. So you get a, you, no two laughs are the same. I can tell the same joke in 30 different places and get 30 different laughs. So if that part of it is refreshing. You just have to overcome that initial like roadblock. Like I don't want to be the guy who's stuck repeating this as much as I love the joke. Cause it, it's yeah. a great joke, but it, you don't want to pigeonhole yourself. Yeah. In one, you don't want to be, you don't want to be known for just one Mick bit. You want to be known for... You've got to, like, I've got one joke. Like, I've <laughs> got two jokes. But when I first started comedy, like, in the first year, one of the, the one of the two comics up here in Duluth who's, like, really professional level touring comedian uh, told me that this was the best joke I ever wrote, which was I get into a habit of recording all my sets. Like, you know, to watch them. It feels really narcissistic to be watching my jokes while I masturbate. <laughs> and it's, it's, yeah, it's such a cheap, like, just quick yeah. line. Yeah. And she looked at me after I did that, and she was like, that's the best joke. That's a TV quality. Yeah. Show. On the one hand, like, in retrospect now, having been in comedy less than a year, to have somebody who tours tell you that you've got a special quality joke should have been a compliment. At the time, I was furious because it was a throwaway line I made up on the spot. Oh, yeah. And it was like, I had all these jokes I've been crafting. Like, the McDonald's joke was not, it wasn't even new at that time. I had been telling Okay. Them. So to have, like, all these jokes I've been crafting get overshadowed by a throwaway line mm-hmm. at the time felt like just such a kick in the balls. Yeah. But then you look back at it and you knew it a long time, like, no, in the grand scheme of things, if I got a compliment like that that early on in my career, I should take that and run with it. Yeah. No, I, I think that would be a very good compliment, especially, like, I also, that's my style is mostly one-liners. And so, like. No, mostly. So. Yeah. Yeah. Not entirely. Yeah. It's entirely. It is. That is literally all. I've, I've read a bunch of them. That's, <laughs> and that's not to say that they're not good, but, like, have yeah. you, tried, you tried two lines? Have you tried? I've, I've tried a couple lines, yeah. I've gotten a couple of them. I think my longest joke is a minute right now. That has to feel like an eternity. For it does feel like an eternity. I, I feel like I'm boring people at a minute. Why are you boring them at 15 seconds? So what's, what's another 45? <laughs> that was good. Um, but yeah, so like if I got a compliment like that, I, I would just use it as another bit. Like I would just use it as another, another joke. See, but here's another problem. Um, because I've seen a bunch of comics try to do like meta comedy and make jokes about comedy. And they don't land with audiences because, because they, they don't know what it's yeah. like to be a comedian. That would be like if you went up and did a joke about your day job and you were complaining about Kevin. And that was the joke. And, yeah, that's funny at work. Because everybody know knows who Kevin is. Yeah. 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 yeah, you do that on stage. They're like, what are you talking about? 
like I had a, a buddy I used to work with a, a couple jobs ago, um, owns a $1,200 pair of Armani jeans. So we worked like retailer dealerships to put this in. Yeah. Like, so that was, it was insane person behavior. Because yeah. Jeans are, jeans are $20. Yeah. That's, that's what they cost. Yeah. That's if what they, you're a sane person, yeah. you're yeah. spending 20 to $40 in a pair of jeans. Uh, and he's like, no, but I bought them on sale for like 400. I'm like, okay, you're still not understanding that this is crazy person. Yeah. That's still way too much. It's, it's obscene. Yeah. So of course at work, constantly we're ripping on this guy who bought a 12 year old pair of jeans that already had holes in it because that was a style back in the day. Yeah. Uh, you, I tried so many times to write that on stage. It's not funny if you don't know this guy, if you don't know the content yeah. that you're working on. So then you have to go, how do I take this and build the context in without, you know, a, without losing the crowd and like coming up with jokes on the way. And then you've got how many hours and work into, into writing something and you look at it and go, it's just not relatable from the start because yeah. it's only funny in this context. Yeah. Yeah. That's the tough part about like doing those bits. And that's why I, I don't write those, that style. Like I do all the one-liners because it's easier for me to just get in, get out and move on to the next one. There's how many sex jokes there? Like we could do. <laughs> we do I mean, album just I on know. that sentence. I know. <laughs> get in, get out, move on if you like. A Romance novel by Justin Roberts. <laughs> hey. I, I, I had a good time. I hope uh... <laughs> I'll get you next time. Yeah. <laughs> I owe you. <laughs> Is it me? Yeah. I have no idea. I've totally lost the thread of this conversation. Um, so how long have you been writing? How long do you write? For example, I'm sorry, how do you write? Sorry. So how long have you been writing? How do you write? For example, do you write on stage or off stage? And if off stage, what does your writing process look like? Oh, God. I mean, how long do you have, right? Wow. Uh, well, part of the problem is I I engage in a lot of creative process. Like, I work on music. i trying to write novels and jokes at the same time. So, of course, my brain switches through different modes all the time. Um, I come up with premises. Um sort of like just in my day-to-day -day life. Like I see something or I think of something, I write the premise down, maybe like a quick setup. But then when it comes to like actually writing the joke for the first time, I kind of just wander into a mic with a premise and see where my brain goes. Interesting. And then I record that and I go back to it and like, hey, did this work? And then it's like piecing the words down, figuring out what works. Because I found, and again, this is a totally personal thing, where if I try to force myself to pick the words from the beginning, it feels so scripted and rehearsed. I just feel so rigid. So I feel like I'm not having the flexibility to find where the funny is. So I try it just with like the premise for the first few times and then go on to go, all right, now that I've ironed this out, is there something here? Isn't there? And if there is, how do I make it funnier? But I, if I start too rigid, I, I don't give myself like improv, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where I get... Like some of my older bits, I get nervous when people throw me up, and I shouldn't be. Like I've been doing it for so long. But if somebody throws me a curveball I'm not ready for, how do I work that back in? Mm -hmm. And I've seen people that are great at that. I've seen people that are terrible at that. I've seen people who have written two jokes and then do 20 minutes of crowd work, and it kills. 
super jealous of that ability. Yeah. Because I can barely have a two minute conversation with people I don't know, let alone have one. That, yeah. That, <laughs> there are reasons I don't date. Like, I don't want to yeah. have that. That's <laughs> argue, how's the weather? Like, no, no. Let's just get into this. You're not the get in, get out type. No, God. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't date. I don't care about yeah. it. Um, overrated. I tried liking people once. It's an overrated experience. <laughs> Mostly because, like, then they're in your house, and you're like, what do you mm. do? Let's go away. They're touching my stuff. Yeah. They say that yeah. while Justin and I are recording this in my house. <laughs> hmm. Nice. But no. I mean, as far as, like, the other writing questions you're asking. Uh, so how long have you been writing? Um, how do you write? And then is it on stage, off stage? Well, I've been doing comedy for about six years. So yep. I've been writing for about 20 to 30 minutes. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, because like, I've probably been writing jokes longer than I've been performing. Because everybody's got that pipe dream where yep. like, they find stuff they've written when they were younger. And like, this is garbage. But then you laugh at the one thing. I'm like, well, maybe I'll keep that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I understand that because I've been writing since like 2010. I've been writing one-liners for that long, but I've only been like, like when I first performed at Dublin's and like since then I've been performing regularly. Uh, this is the first time I've ever performed regularly, like every week, um, where before I was performing, but it was like, I'll perform here this month. I'll perform here this month. Like it was spotty. There was like a hobby you were making time for. Exactly. Like a, a thing you were wanting to commit to is this is something I want to pursue with my time. Yeah. So instead of like 50-50, like you're saying, like write 50% of the time and then perform 50% of the time, I was like 99% writing, 1% performing. So you've got a backlog, basically. I have a huge backlog, yeah. That's why like the jokes that we have for this this upcoming show that has already happened – uh, <laughs> that's still so funny to me I know, I know um, all of those jokes are jokes that I haven't done on stage and I have hundreds of those jokes where I haven't performed them on stage I'm just waiting to get to it and that's why like I said I'm, I have my, my joke list with me because I want to get through all of those jokes first then once I get my jokes that I'm well I guess at this point just for me being selfish if the show that we already did goes well We'll just keep doing. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, keep those on the back burner. Yeah, yeah, I'll keep those on the back burner. I'll just then I can start getting away from my notes. I can start working on the material that I have, like not backlogged anymore. But it would be material that I've done, but it's kind of backlogged in the fact that it, I, I haven't performed those jokes in a while since like when I first started back in like I think it was February or March. Um, I'll go back to those jokes. You know what I mean? And do you, we, do you, do you have your laptop? In. Yeah, I have it, but you're yeah okay. I'll, I'll show him after. show him after the show, dude. You're yeah. gonna freak out. You think he's a you think he's a neat freak and has everything. Wait till you see his jokes. I have I I haven't seen all of them, but like I asked him for, like I think I asked you for twenty to thirty jokes, and you gave me four pages of an Excel spreadsheet. So I think you gave me seventy to eighty jokes yeah. that I had to parse down to like twenty four just so we could fit it for time. Yeah. So he gave you like yeah. a five hundredth of what he has on his computer. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And my favorite <laughs> part of it is he's, he's got them sorted by filthiness. So yeah. Like, oh, I'll take some of the clean jokes and some of the dirty jokes and I'll split <laughs> them up. And he says he's, it's great. It's he, great for flow of the show. Yeah. Because I can figure out where to put everything. Yeah. Um, 
and I was trying to be like helpful in that aspect because I have it organized how I want it organized, but I organize it specifically by dirtiness just for you. <laughs> and it worked, yeah. Because not only was it easy for me to read, but I do love that you had typed on every page uh, that you had written these jokes with the date that you had printed the page off. Oh, <laughs> like dude. the sheer level of paranoia, like yeah, which I totally get. Yeah. I mean, like if any of those jokes were good, I probably would have taken them. But conveniently, we've got a platform. For yeah. This. Yeah. He says he's going to get away from the notes eventually. I'm waiting for him to go the opposite direction. I'm waiting for him to pull out a freaking screen and do a slideshow and all this. But I don't want to give away my punchline, so I can maybe like do all my setups that way. But. Or it'd be the type of thing where like the stuff you had in the background was maybe just like nonsensical images that had something to do with the joke. That would, that would be fun. I have thought about that, like have some sort of an image like it's just a duck. And then I like do my setup, but I don't really say what the duck is, but the duck is the punchline. So that's why. I... Have you seen, there's a comic that did something like that. It's the, one of the British comics. Uh, I can't remember his name. It's going to bother me, but he, he's the guy who has all the rubber ducks in his mm. apartment. With, so he collected oh. rubber ducks yeah. just to irritate his roommate. Nice. So he would, and then the room would complain about the ducks. So he would go get more and <laughs> he built the bathtub with it. And I think the last bit of the joke is. She goes, you have to get rid of all the ducks and we'll throw you out. And he's like, can I keep one duck? And she's like, fine. So he buys a giant rubber duck that fills <laughs> the entire bathroom. That is awesome. Oh, but yeah, it's like he's he's got, he does like the text measures in the background. He takes like pictures of the ducks. Mm. And one time they were I think I know who you're talking about, but I can't I, remember his name. It's bothering me. I feel like I've heard this, but I, I can't picture it either. Like It went viral a couple of years Yeah, ago. I was going to say, it sounds familiar. That's hilarious, though. I want to do that. Right. So, like, I love, because uh, uh, Joe Lysett's done that style, too. The only reason I know it's not Joe Lysett is because Joe Lysett doesn't have glasses, and the other guy does. They're both British. Yeah. So that's another that throws me off. But it's, I love that style where you've got this interactive medium that goes with the show yeah like i tried a bit once i've only ever done it once where i had a giant notepad and just the front page of the notepad had it just said words i think are funny but aren't mm. because they were ridiculous words um like i made up a phobia called uh so you've heard of agoraphobia right it's like yeah. fear of like open public spaces well i have algorophobia or afraid of tail uh failed democratic presidential candidates <laughs> Um, uh, but there was a bunch of jokes like that, and like even like a couple times I would flip the notepad up, and instead of like saying like a definition, it would like insult me about something. So it would just like I was developing a back and forth within that object. Nice. So just I love that kind of you're using something to enhance the bit, not just parrot it. Yeah. Yeah, I have a, a bit like I haven't used it yet because I haven't really had too many hecklers yet, um, or at least to the point where it like was annoying and I like couldn't get away from it or whatever. But one of my bits, because I have my notes up there with me, is I want to like be like interact with them if they're like continuously just being annoying. I'll be like, "Say, Chad, we're gonna pretend that you're the the heckler." So I'll be like, "I'm sorry, sir. What uh, what's what's your name again?" Chad. 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 Uh, it it says in my notes here. It says your your line is to sit down and shut the fuck up. That's good. Uh, <laughs> I do like that. Yeah, it doesn't say anything about what you were saying. Right. I do like that you had to ask me to pretend to be annoying like that. Wasn't... <laughs> Like, that wasn't my default. <laughs> it's the nicest okay. thing anyone's ever said about me. What? Thank you. I'm, tr I'm trying to compliment people these days. How's that working out for you? Not very well. <laughs>
I got invited to a second roast battle. That's how it was. And that, but I didn't win. So I mean, it's working then. Technically, I didn't win this time. Yeah, that's true. I'm I'm being nicer. I'm trying. You got beat by the deaf guy. <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> Although you won last time and got beat by the guy who won this time, so that's that. You could have lost to somebody else. Yeah, that's I guess true. That could have gone worse for you. Yeah. So I'm not terribly upset. I, I'm I'm okay with it. Like, plus now I still have those roasts. So like, I I'm not gonna be able to be there this Thursday. Unfortunately, I got to work. But um, come the new year. I have so many roasts that I can just use for open mics. I mean, at that point, you just because I'm sure he's going to do another. Oh yeah. Bankroll those. Oh yeah, that's true. I could. You don't give the ammo away because as much as I love doing like those shows and other like gimmicky shows, the the paper shows like I spend months writing material that I will never use again. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, that was really fun to do and it's a nice writing exercise, but I might have salvaged one punchline from an hour and a half show. Yeah. Yeah, that you can use regularly. Yeah. But I suppose if you're writing for a gimmick and you leave that with a, having a good time and one joke, it's not waste. Yeah. Yeah. I. That's how I'm looking at it is the fact that you still have that material. I'll be either be able to use it at the next roast battle or if I'm not going to play against that person the next roast battle, then I'll use it on stage right. regularly. As long as I perform after them, you don't want to do it. Hey, you know this Chad guy that's coming up? Uh, <laughs> I have seen people do that, and that is an awkward. Event. I know, especially when you're the guy who's next. Yeah, because then you're like, oh, people one already have a bad <laughs> image of me if they paid attention that long. Yeah, but two, you know why I have because somebody just set them up. So. Yeah, because then you got to go right back at them because otherwise, <laughs> we, exactly, we, yeah. not an option. Yeah, yeah, you need that. You need that retort. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you got to throw a chair at somebody. That's just what you got to do. I've, I've only done that a couple times. I don't know that I can visualize you throwing a chair. I, I didn't. I, I've never done that. I have a client. What? High school was weird. That's, yeah. We were we were hanging out in my buddy's basement because it was the mid-2000s, and that's where you hung out with basements, right? And it's fucking Mario Party. Mario Party over the fucking <laughs> I love Mario and Party. And my one buddy's cousin just picked up a recliner and chucked it across the room. And I'm like, that's you honestly a reasonable reaction to Mario Party, but... You stole my star. Seriously, chill out, man. Yeah. <laughs> R- Roddy will do it with his disc golf bag. Oh, I've I've thrown my disc golf bag before. I feel like you should throw the discs. I and you not should. The bag. I have done that too. I've literally like, I've taken the discs, all, all of the discs at once, out of my bag and thrown them not individually, but thrown them out of my bag. So I'm like, I don't even need these. So so does that still count as one throw, or do you like count each disc individually? That was after the round. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know how the sport would. I assume yeah. that you would. It would. It would count. I think. I don't like, know how that would. If you did that in a tournament, like you were playing a wild card or something, and just like this yeah. is my one, I get to throw all of them. Yeah. And pick the best one. <laughs> That'd be interesting. May, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I don't think they allow that in tournaments. So. <laughs> Somebody's like instead of a disc, I'm going to use a harpoon. Yeah. This round. <laughs> I'm using my. That's a sport I would watch. Yeah. That is. I'm using my shotgun on this one. Why are you guys – I'm not aiming towards the basket. I'm aiming towards you guys. <laughs> oh, well, it looks like we've reached the artillery round. It's going to graze them. Do they, do they do commentary for disc golf? They do on, like, the oh, professional right. stuff. They uh, they don't do it live. They do it after the fact. Oh, that's so, the fucking point. 
Well, they're trying to do it live. They did have a, a couple times that they tried it this year, but it is really fun to watch. If you ever watch, uh, if you ever want to watch, just watch uh, Jomez is what it's called. Yeah. Okay. Um, but the way that they do it, they they film the 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 day, and then they go back, they edit the video, and they do the commentary all that night. So then the next day, it's available for everybody. They do and do they, they do the do graphics. worlds live. Yeah, that's what I said. They do a couple that are live. Yeah. They haven't done everything yet. But um, yeah, they they're trying to get there, I think. Um, but yeah, since the sport is growing, they're growing that as well. So when they do it live, is is it more like golf or like how does it sound? Yeah, it's a lot like golf. It's yeah. So it's really like quiet, reserved. But but the 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 people that are doing the announcements are players. Okay, so, so they, they under, know what's going. They on. know what's yeah. going on. They 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 just they are not rotate out that particular. Yeah, so they didn't just grab like a couple bros who know what a frisbee is. Yeah, you know, they a... yeah they well they did do that for for worlds. They grabbed just a guy that was re- like a really good announcer and like really good with on the mic, but he knew nothing about disc golf and it was very awkward. See, but that's gonna be like again as a meta joke, hilarious. It's like when you have like a football announcer like yeah. announcing for golf or something. Yeah. Like that. Like, oh, God, that's another one of those jokes. I hate it when I think of a joke that I know somebody's told. It might be a Brian Regan joke where he's talking about the Spanish football announcer announcing a golf tournament. Oh, I don't know if that is. It I, might I, be Brian. It was it was around the time that he was popular. I remember the joke entering, like, the public lexicon. But it's like he, he just, like, just whispered on the green. But I don't remember who's joking. I don't think it's this Brian is just Regan. a show where we remember other people's jokes, but yeah, not people. That's funny. Yeah, but um, yeah, I know it was so crazy because this guy didn't know anything about disc golf, and so like nothing, like not even like minuscule. Like he was just talking about like he's like, oh yeah, this is uh, this is becoming a popular sport, huh? So he was like doing like an interview for somebody, and basically, and yeah. And he's like, this is becoming pretty popular, and they're like. Yeah, like this is. Yeah, that's why we're having you announce yeah. it, you moron. Yeah, that's the whole premise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was just awkward the whole time. Just... You you have to at least like having watched it for two minutes, grasp the basic concept. Yeah, there's a you disc, there's a basket, make it happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and this guy, I don't know what what his deal was, but like apparently he did other sports, but not disc golf. But he was like. He felt like so degrading, like he was degrading the sport almost. But then you like, I don't know, it was weird. He's just like, oh yeah, okay. Well, I guess I could kind of see like the enjoyment. Why, why people would, yeah. Well, and also like, if you're a professional announcer, why would you? Have, it again, it's like being a comedian versus being a funny guy. Yeah. Right. Like you're an announcer. You should know how to announce yeah. at the very least. And what you don't do yeah. is shit on the thing you're announcing in the middle. Exactly. That's what you do on entertainment tonight yeah. after the show. But, you know, I, but I don't think he knew he was shitting on it. Like, that's the thing. Like, he thought he was doing a good job. But again, how can you be that oblivious yeah. person and be a public speaker yeah, in any I, capacity? That's, I have no idea. This guy was, That's a separate problem entirely. Yeah, I don't know. This guy was something else. But I'm, I'm assuming they're not going to do that again. I'm assuming they're going to get, like, all the people that are used to doing it. Or, or, just quick pitch, get Jason Bateman to do his character from Godfall. <laughs> that <laughs> would be that. perfect. That would be good. That would have worked better than this guy. That's sad. Yeah. That's, this would have worked better. The whole point of that was that he didn't know what he yeah, was doing. Yeah, exactly. Let's see how the it works out for him, Cotton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
bold strategy. That's how you know when comedians are on the same line. Like, is they yeah. get to the same joke within three seconds. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Do you ever practice your jokes alone or with friends and family? Uh, never with family because you guys ever have this problem where your family tries to tell you jokes because they think they're funny? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not hate. <laughs> and he can't get mad at me because it's true. My dad has this problem where he'll tell me a joke. And it's really, really like uncomfortably racist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my dad's an old white guy, and that's just what they do for fun now, apparently. <laughs> but they'll tell me, it's like, you should tell that joke. Like, I'm not performing at like a Klan rally or Republican <laughs> National Convention. Yeah. Say yeah. those things, yeah. and you shouldn't be saying them either. Yeah. Because they're also not funny. I'll shock them. And then my mother will go like, "You've got to like tell people your father's not racist." I'm like, no, he is. Yeah, <laughs> that's why he said what he said. Yeah, that's what that means. <laughs> that's what racism is. It's totally yeah. Uh, I'm really glad they don't know how to use the internet, so we'll never hear. This. Yeah, so that's that, fantastic. Yeah. yeah, but dang, yeah. I, I have done some jokes with my friends. Like again, mostly when I was prepping for the trivia show, because it's one thing to like have something that's funny. But it's got to be funny and interesting. And so these are people that I know don't know this stuff. If they find it interesting and they laugh at it, it can stay in the show, mm-hmm. provided they haven't already done it on QI. <laughs> I ran into that again. I, I oh, just no. a um, this is a show. I had to throw this out the day before the show because what was the first animal in space? My mind goes to monkey. Not a monkey. Fruit flies. What? So in 1947, the U.S. sent fruit flies up in a capsule to see if being outside the atmosphere would affect their breeding patterns. And it turns out it doesn't. So fruit flies were also the first species to successfully mate in Earth's atmosphere. They retrieved the capsule and it had a new generation of live fruit flies in it. Hmm. But again, the day before I did that show, I'm watching another episode of QI, and it was an old episode. And Stephen Fry goes, what was the first animal in space? Like, don't you fucking do this to me, Stephen Fry. Did he? He did. Yeah, it was yeah. exactly the same question. So, I would what, what I went to when you said that I thought it was going to be like on accident, like a fruit fly got into the space and they're like, oh, there's a fruit fly. In no, here. they did it on purpose. Okay. Yeah, I can't remember the name of the mission, but I do remember it was the U.S. in 1947. <laughs> so it was even before the space race had really like kicked off, before we got to the Cold War, when the Russians killed that dog and we sent up a monkey and. And we got people in the space. I'm, I'm just imagining like some astronaut just. <laughs> no, it was an unmanned mission because there were no, we hadn't sent a man into space. Yeah, yet, so okay. it was just a remote capsule with a bunch of fruit flies oh. in it. They had to retrieve the capsule and get the flies out of. Which, like, if you're the intern at NASA that's got that job, that part's got to suck, right? Yeah. To be the guy who has to get the flies back out of the capsule, because you got to find them all. Yeah. You, got, you need to. You got to find every yeah. fly in there. And, and those flies have been fucking, so you don't even know how many are in there. Right <laughs> yeah, they probably didn't even have a camera in there to, like, track them. And then you, you hear a story like that, and then your brain goes, how do scientists operate? Right? Yeah. Because you guarantee there were a bunch of drunk people at NASA. They're like, some bugs into space. <laughs> Just fuck it. Let's, let's send bugs into space and see if they fuck up there. See if it's a see if it's a thing. <laughs> and then the next day they go back to work and they're like, yeah, okay, fuck it, let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's the forties. We're not gonna stop you. <laughs> that sounds like something that like 
a podcast would do. Like somebody like, I don't know, the stupidest podcast. Look, if you're telling me you've got a budget for us to send shit into space. Not yet. All right. Not yet. We're getting, getting there. there. We're getting there. We, we... <laughs> We just got wristbands. <laughs> now announcing the stupidest podcast space program. <laughs> <laughs> That's like our third step. Our shuttle's going to look. <laughs> Biggest shuttle. problem. I'm fairly confident neither of you are scientists. You might have to find one of those. Well, we're, we're looking. We're getting we're, there. We, we're getting there. All I, all I know is marine biologists or geologists. Yeah. We're, we're about to put a. And a, one nuclear engineer now. <laughs> We're about to put a Craigslist ad out. Looking for, for scientists. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Adopting the modern NASA hiring approach. Taking the best people on Craigslist. There's a couple guys that are living behind Walmart that are applying. So, I mean, we're there. Yeah. I we're getting applications. <laughs> do, they, do they think you're sending them to space? <laughs> they don't have to be behind the Walmarts anymore? They're like, wait, I can get out of here? There's Walmarts in space? <laughs> That's funny. That that's moving up the the unemployed ladder, going to space Walmart. Mm-hmm. Oh, but to, to answer the other part of your question, uh, most often I'm practicing my jokes to myself, mm. and I think I'm doing it most like probably the few days before I know I have a show. I do that thing where I'll time out the entire set. Um, I had a promoter like I was doing a feature spot for a gig. Um, have you had Patrick on yet? Yes. yes yeah. So Patrick. Uh, we, I did a show with him out in Brainerd, um, and he's like, well, yeah, I want you to do about 15. If you do like 12, you do 17, that's fine. I'm like, no, 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 that's not fine. If you tell me you want me to do 15 minutes, I'm doing between 15 minutes and, or 14 minutes and 45 seconds and 15 minutes and 15 seconds. Because you've got this time part, like yeah. a headliner who's doing time, like, I'm not going to play loose with your schedule. Yeah. Because that's just not professional, mm-hmm. right? And I think I ended up doing 14 minutes and 57 seconds. It was like, I was like three seconds short. And like, I can, I, I, I'm fine with I can't believe you messed up that bad. I know. I was, <laughs> well, because when I had timed out the set beforehand, it was 15 minutes and 10 seconds. So okay. I, I got to cut one joke. And it turns out the joke I cut was 13 seconds, oh, not 10, 10 seconds. Dang. And then I actually had to cut another two minutes because, of course, I do the McDonald's joke and somebody thinks they're funny. I'm like, oh, oh, and they had to, yeah. How are you going to put that down now? Yeah. But like. You get one. Yeah. You can be funny with me one time. <laughs> that's good for the show. You do it twice, we have a problem. Yeah. Yeah. My dojo. <laughs> for the next 15 minutes, your ass mine. <laughs> you want to do this during somebody else's set? Fine, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't do it during mine. And especially that bit. Don't mess up that bit. Well, no, not that bit. That bit's gold. Yeah. It's got, we're, we're not doing it. We're not doing that, the whole that, bit. No, you don't have to do no, that bit. What, no. oops, we're not no, doing that. Because if we do that, then there's no reason for people to come see me. Because yeah. like, oh, well, we just did the best jokes. Yeah, no, that, that bit is gold in Arches. Um, oh, God. <laughs> I want to be mad at you, but that is actually kind of clever. So I, I, I think golf clap is I, I'll take a golf clap on that one. This golf clap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to come up with that. I'm going to come up with that. That'd be, is that just that like a golf clap where you take two discs and you just politely? Yeah, like, yeah you could do that. I was, I was thinking backhand. Just, uh, not well, or like two backhand, like. Yeah, yeah. That somehow that looks stupider than what you were doing. So well, I was thinking because that's like how you throw a disc is backhand or forehand. So I was, that's why I said that. But Are you sure this like, isn't like tennis? Like I'm really. Yeah, it is kind of like tennis. Okay. The fact that you have the backhand forehand, but it's how you throw the disc, so it's different. Because you don't throw a disc in tennis very often. No, I usually throw a racket because yeah. I'm good at tennis. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My question is: uh, Do you record your sets? If so, does it help for future performances? Oh, uh, yes, I do, and yes, it absolutely does. 
does. Um, it only doesn't help when I listen to a set and it went particularly poorly because of the way I rolled something. Like, if you do a good set to a quiet room, that just is what it is. But if I notice that I messed up a lot of my jokes, and I hear that back from myself, it, it can be demoralizing, but it's good to reflect on the mistakes that you made. You're, okay, I did this. I have to watch out when I'm telling this joke not to do this. But yeah, it, it, it's the one thing. It, I can't imagine how it doesn't help people, mm. I guess, is the main yeah. thing. It can't hurt. Yeah. Do you, so when you record, do you usually record video or audio or both? Uh, both is preferred. If I don't have the setup for both, I'd rather get just audio because mm -hmm. I can listen to it while I'm doing other stuff and then have it like in the back of my brain and ingrain it. Uh, but one, you want video because you need stuff to send a promoter. So you yeah. never know when you're going to have just a random five, ten minutes out of nowhere that's beautiful. Yeah. So you you got to have that going just to, in case you strike gold and then you kick yourself that you didn't record it. Yeah. Um, which has happened to me more than once. Like, I'll forget to set up the phone or the camera and just kick myself because yeah. I missed it. And then, of course, the one person who's normally there films everything wasn't there that time. Yeah. So it's a little fallback to get it from. But... Um, yeah, for, for me, I like the audio more for my own purposes, because, like, I know what I look like. I've seen a mirror before. Like, that's not new technology. They've had yeah. this for thousands of years. Um, <laughs> that's, like, most of your life, right? Something like that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have been around since the, the dawn of time when the Dreadlord Karzak uh, carved our from the sea. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I figured, yeah, I just... That's why we have you on. We, we, we wanted somebody from that era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, an old fuck you wanted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, no. And also, like, I um, I'm a very Italian man, and so one of the things that that we stereotypically do and is true is that we talk with our hands a lot. Like, I remember my my freshman year of college, I was taking a critical thinking class, and I was giving you an argument with the professor, and he had to stop at one point and ask me, like, "You're really talented, like, gesticulating and talking with your hands." If you had, like, classical debate training, like, you know, I'm just Italian to do this. Uh, to the point where, like, my father and I will have entire conversations without saying a word, we'll just gesture. Which <laughs> is great, because my mom has no idea what we're talking about, so she just assumes we're insulting her. <laughs> which, 80% of the time, is correct. We usually are. Um, <laughs> I did it so much when I was a kid that it instead of like threatening to, to duct tape my mouth shut, like if I wouldn't shut up as a kid, my dad would go, just put your hands in your pockets. Oh, and, and I couldn't <laughs> talk because my hands were in my pockets so I couldn't say anything. That's funny. It's, it's like, I'm so, I, it's something I'm so comfortable with that I don't think about it. Like even now, like- Yeah, I, I, I'm seeing it. Yeah, you yeah. Can, and that's the worst part. It's like, of course this is audio, so nobody can see that I'm moving yeah. my hands like a lunatic. But it, I've never, been uncomfortable with my stage presence and like the only reason for me to get that is so that somebody else can see mm. but if i'm going to screw something up it's the words i use or i'm going to trip on something and eat it on stage and then i don't need the video for that i barely found that the bruises on my face will remember yeah so but yeah i listening to it and even like catching um there's a comic around here, and I give him a lot of shit for it. It's not fair because while he's doing the set and an open mic, I will count the number of times he goes um, and like I, I will count all his verbal picks. Um, he's gotten a lot better, but like when I first started doing it, like you did five minutes and you said um thirty seven times, 
which is like it's super hot. It, it's high enough to the point that like people are going to notice. Yeah. It. So I'm not trying. You're to helping. I'm, yeah. I'm, well, I'm also being a dick about it because it's funny to me. But I am like like I'm not trying to be malicious. I'm like like look, this is the and I only know it because I've been like I said I've done like paper presentations and conference speaking and things like that before. So I've I've been doing public speaking longer than I've been performing. And when you like take speech classes and you like really start rehearsing for stuff like that, like you. See, I just said like, and I heard myself yeah. do it. But, and like sometimes it flows naturally, and sometimes it doesn't. And if it flows naturally, that's fine. But when you start every sentence with um, oh, but uh, you, it, it it's an it, you notice. Well, also like it's into your time on stage too. Like if you say um thirty seven times, that's a whole joke you can add. Two even if yeah. you if you write nothing but one liners. But some people we know. Like, who's that? Uh, Vandy. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Roddy's getting better with the ums though, isn't he? <laughs> I look. I haven't counted his. Uh, <laughs> I, I've probably heard. Like I don't pay attention to people doing it until I hear them doing it a lot. Okay. And then it's like it bothers me. And you're probably not at the threshold where it bothers people that haven't had like that kind of training and things like that. So then it. Then but you're probably like, approaching it. So like you had that yeah. habit off at the past before you get any worse at it. Yeah. And again, you just you. Your pattern flows a lot better. You free up more time in your set. Because, like, an um is half a second. 37 yeah. of those is, like, 17 and a half seconds. Yeah, I could get two jokes in that. Right. Yeah, I mean... I if... could have sex three times in that. Like, <laughs> nice. It's... Um, it's... Don't, yeah, I just don't do that on stage. They do not like... The venues frown upon that. Yeah. Doing the um or having sex on stage? It's the intersection of the two. Oh, yeah. Okay. Also, don't um during sex because that's just evidence that you don't remember her name. It's just really awkward for everybody. I don't um, I hum during sex. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> I thought you meant like you like vibrated and undulated oddly. Oh, we should do that. Be, yeah. I, I... No, that would be creepy. I would be like, <laughs> why, are you, why are you trying to find her resonant frequency yeah. in the middle of sex? <laughs> you guys want to hear a weird thing that I can do? Can we stop you? You can stop me if you want. You don't have to hear. No, it. I already. It's funny now. I have. Okay. To now. So I can. Uh, I don't know if I can do it now, just because I got a little thing in my throat. But I can hum and whistle at the same time. Really? Oh, that is bizarre. That is that cool? It, it's really cool through the headset. Yeah, you I can. Like, I can like pick it up for sure. Can I do it again? It sounds like. Uh, you know that thing they have at like the beginning of like weather announcers on their own. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, it sounds almost exactly like that. I, I need to come up with a weather bit now. We, we had a kid <laughs> in high school. We had a kid in high school that could beatbox and sing at the same time. No shit. Yeah, Dang. it was freaking ridiculous. I, yeah, I can't I, do one of those things. I can't do it anymore. But yeah, it was really good. <laughs> no, I couldn't do it, ever do it. It was nuts. I'm like. How he's like I don't I, he goes he tries to te- te- tried to teach me one time and I'm like that, that that just ain't happening like you're you're on a different wavelength man yeah I have I have a tough time just with the singing part so I can't I can't beatbox and do that yeah my beatboxing career was like 20 years ago like that was did you have one no God oh, this is, it's open it's the same reason I've never had like a successful break dancing career right like, because I can pop it. But you can't. But I can't lock it because the shoulder doesn't like it, and, and it drops it. <laughs> no one's ever laughed at that before. I like. I've been doing that for like ten years. I like that. 
People yeah. laugh more at the actual fake breakdancing than they do when you, because that's obviously you look like a jackass. <laughs> Those guys have had like four movies, so they're doing something right. Right. Yeah, they, if you count like the half movies that they've done, they got a lot of them. I had a I had a pitch for for the last Jackass movie because I think it would be golden. I think what has to happen is that either Johnny Knoxville or Steve-O has to die while they're filming it. Oh, dang. But they don't tell anybody. Well, And they get all the way to the premiere, and it's like at the Hollywood premiere, you see that, and then they release that they're... Well, Johnny, and obviously, super illegal. You couldn't tell no, no. Jo- Johnny almost did. In this last In one. In this last one? Yeah. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it either, yeah. Yeah, he, he, he redid the bull scene. Okay. He gets hit by the bull, and he got pretty fucked up. Punctured along. Yeah. Had a, he was concussed, and I think he went into a coma for a couple of days and shit like that. Like, he was seriously fucked up. Yikes. And that's the other reason you can't do that joke, is because you say that, and he actually, yeah. you and you're the fucking bad guy now, because yeah. you made a joke about it. I, I saw an interview with Steve-O, and Steve-O goes, he was talking about it, he's like, how are, people ask how we're still doing it at 50 years old. And he goes... Uh, we're still the same fucking guys, he says, and it's actually better because we get knocked out a lot faster, so we don't feel a lot of shit. <laughs> <laughs> you you reach that stopping point a lot sooner. Yeah. Like, yeah. It used to be I had to get hit in the head three times. Now my knee gives out. I'm like, oh, I'm done, guys. Yeah. Yeah. You used to feel a lot more pain. Now it's just you're out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes sense, but I still do it. Damn. And it's it's like you find the one thing you're good at, yeah. and you keep doing it. Yeah, like yeah, they're great at that. Bam Margera's great at not being Tony Hawk. You know, <laughs> you play the the cards you've been dealt. Yeah, yeah. Bam wanted to be Tony Hawk. I there think. was a well, yeah. It was the nineties. We all wanted to be yeah. Tony Hawk. That's what you. I do love the the what is it the the tweets that he does when people like yes think he's Tony Hawk yeah. in public and like that's because I'm Tony Hawk yeah. like no you're not but yeah. you look a lot like him yeah yeah somebody like found him at the airport and his name on his suitcase was Anthony Hawk and they're like oh are you related to Tony Hawk <laughs> Anthony is Tony <laughs> yeah no it just goes to show you what happened to literacy in America yeah. since the Bush presidency yeah. and now people don't know that, that that's Tony yeah. it reminds me of Nate Bargatze's joke because on his license it says uh, Nathan and then on his passport it says Nathaniel <laughs> and uh, I, I think he said something else or whatever and the guy's like I, I don't get it I don't see it he goes no no they're the same name oh. he goes you know with with 75% of the name and 75% of the name and 100% of the picture, we can get there. <laughs> I've heard that joke before. I think the only thing that, like, as not a lawyer, but I have seen every episode of Law & Order, um, <laughs> there's got to be, like, some legal problem there. It's like, I feel like those are the two documents that have to match the name on your birth certificate. Yeah. Which makes me wonder, like, how did that actually play out? Like, did he just have to, like, prove that they both matched their certificate and then came up with the idea that the guy's an idiot later? Or was the guy at the TSA actually an idiot? And did that happen? And then also there was a separate legal problem. Yeah. That would be an interesting story to hear. Get him on the podcast. <laughs> Working right. on it. We're good friends with Nate, so he should be here tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, he's actually the next one after yours. Yeah. Way sweet. to set me up for failure. <laughs> <laughs> well, the next one, we've got somebody way funnier than you. <laughs> 
All right, Chad, do you have any questions for us? Oh, uh, kind of. They're all like podcast questions. That's perfect. Oh, that's perfect. Ask away. So I guess like, what kicked you guys into starting this in the first place? That's, I, as a towering narcissist, love hearing myself talk and making other people listen to me. So I guess like what made you, how did you fall into this? What made you sort of start this way? Has it like helped you guys do comedy as well? Or is it the type of thing where it eats up some of your time and then you're worried that one eats into the other too much? Um, well, we first started, so we actually, we used to do uh, Moonlight Bowling together. So we would call Moonlight Bowling and we would joke around with all the bowlers and stuff like that. And we had good chemistry there. And like, we were friends, obviously, like outside of that too. So we like had chemistry and I was always, I, I, I've always wanted to do stand up, and I was writing at that time. I just wasn't really performing. I was performing, like I said, very sporadically. Um, and I wanted to do that, but then we were also like, after Moonlight Bowling, we're like, well, we should do something together. Like we wanted to start a business or we wanted something to, to do together. And so we're thinking like, well, what could we do? And then we're just like, I think Bandy came up with the idea. He's like, hey, what if we like did a podcast together? I'm like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Like, so then we were thinking of ideas and what we could do, how we could do it for format and names and all this kind of stuff. And um, when we were coming up with a name for the podcast, I'm like thinking to myself, I'm like, I don't want to like take any of this seriously. I want it to like just do it for fun. And I want to be able to use my material if I want to. I want to be able to, um, but I don't want to like use all my material because I still obviously want people to come see a live show. Um, but I can also get into stories because I don't do a lot of stories and I can get personal because I don't get personal on stage. So like I felt like it was a way to get all of that out without like having to get it on stage right away. And then eventually I can listen to it and maybe come up with bits from it. Um, but yeah, so we were coming up with the name and I'm like, I asked Mandy, I'm like, well, what do you think if we just did like something really dumb, like like the stupidest podcast? Because then if somebody was like taking us seriously, they'd be like, oh, yeah, well, where did you, where did you hear that? The, the stupidest podcast like great like you're trying to take like actual advice from a podcast called the stupidest podcast like get out of here like, whatever. <laughs> so like we can't get into trouble really because like you're taking like serious advice from somebody called the stupidest podcast you, you built an insurance policy right yeah the name of the podcast exactly, exactly. so that's yeah so that's kind of the, the concept of the the name um and then obviously like our format has changed here and there like we it, like the first two ep or first 10 episodes was just him and me and we just did questions the entire time there was no really breaks or anything and now we did when we do episodes we have segments we have uh questions at the beginning we have segments we have our dedications um we started with just lists of comedies so it's just kind of our comedians <coughs> and it's just kind of evolved from there to what it is today and and it's still it's evolving keep, yeah i was gonna say it's gonna keep evolving like I mean that's like art in general. Like something yeah. to stop evolving. Like if you if you stagnate, one professionally you're dead, but two you get bored. Yeah. You just don't want to be. You don't want to be doing the same podcast. You don't want to be doing the same joke. You want it. You want it to be this point where you can do it all the things you want to do. Yeah. And then it's also fresh for everybody that's listening. Like we have a, a decent amount of listeners, and we want we want to make sure that everybody's entertained. Like, but we also like this. It's basically we're just chatting with friends, and we want everybody to be involved and included and so like right now like while we're actually recording this i never think of like people listening to this i just feel like i want to be in the conversation i don't want to get away from that because then it's what's the point 
you know? Good answer. So, yeah. Vanny ditto's that answer. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I guess that's, that uh, when he went, good answer, <laughs> didn't say anything, I was like, all right, that's, well, that's I, a convenient I, I'm usually the one that answers that question. He did yeah. not. So, I liked it. Well, I, I figured uh, the host should maybe answer it once. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> But then why didn't Vandy answer? Exactly. Oh, Chad's getting it Boom. on it. What the heck? Um, I also forgot to tell you on the wristbands that I had to reorder for you, I put co-host on there. Oh, I would kill you. I would oh. kill you. No. I mean, the best thing about that joke is those wristbands cost you like, what, 16 cents or something like that? So, yeah, yeah, yep. you can get like 100 of them, and then that's a great, that's a, that's oh. a good joke. Yeah, but he'd, well, he'd mean... still cry when I burned them. <laughs> well, I mean, I did, I, I did, I, we got more of them. So we, I have, uh, so I got two different ones for the podcast. So when they come out, we're going to have Roddy ones and we're going to have Vandy ones. And they both say the stupidest podcast. So then you can get one or the other. You get your Roddy ones from me and the Vandy ones from him. So that's how you're going to get the, the wristband. Are you guys going to keep track of which one sells more so you guys can finally figure out who the actual fucking host is? That would be interesting. If you want to cry. Again, I mean, if you want to cry about it, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Yeah, but the, the the way that we're doing it, we're not necessarily like selling them. So we're we're asking for donations. So if you want to donate to the podcast, we will give you a wristband. So if you donate at least a dollar, you get a wristband. If you want more wristbands, donate more money. That's that's more than fine. I mean, that's the way to do it because then it can go to, to whatever you guys want it to be to a good thing. But also because you're getting donations, it's proof of you is more charismatic and better getting donations from people. Yeah. So who would be the rightful host would be whoever could. Charm the most people out of donations. Yeah, the donations do go to us, though. Like we're not like <laughs> it goes to, it goes to, the, to podcast. the podcast. It goes to the podcast, so it's donating to the podcast so we can grow the podcast, so we can grow better more equipment. equipment, eventually get video and all that stuff. So it's donations to us. I wonder how that works differently for tax purposes. That we have to look into. This what is are, a weird conversation. What, 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 are, ta- what are taxes? We're talking about tax law. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have you look into that for us, right? I'm not a lawyer. We're over this. And they didn't even do that on Law Order. It's just <laughs> All right. Any other questions? Uh, well, here's an SNL classic. If you were a hot dog, would you eat yourself? Oh. Heck yeah, I'm one fine piece of meat. If I was a brat, yes. <laughs> you're not a brat, you're a hot dog. I'm going to leave myself alone then because I, I want to maintain my integrity. Most people are going to want to eat me. I know that. I'm more of a brat guy than a hot dog guy. Most people are going to want to eat me. Yep. Um, well, just like normal. Like, no. Uh, I'm just <laughs> I, my, my answer to that has always been no because, like, if you're a hot dog, you don't have a fucking mouth. Are you going to eat anything? Yeah, there you go. Good answer. Plus, do I have again? This is why I don't get along with people. Do I have ketchup or mustard or both? Do yeah, what's I have... what's on me? What am I wearing? Yeah. Can I can I? People hate this about me. Uh, when I ate meat, I put mayo on my hot dogs. Mm. I've never tried that. I loved it, uh, but you get a weird look, mostly because you've got a white fluid on top of a wiener. And yeah, that makes sense. That 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 might tell people things about yourself you're not ready to tell them yet. Yeah. Um, like you like mayonnaise, and that's yeah. that's like yeah, third date you, conversation. Yeah, that's yeah, you don't date. you don't lead with. I prefer the taste of Hellman's yes. mayonnaise. Yeah, yeah. Do you do you even tell them that you're Hellman's or the other? 
brands of mayonnaise. <laughs> it's their brand name here. Oh, but the, or you could be like Miracle Whip people. Those are yeah. I those are the worst. The only thing that's good about Miracle Whip is that it is usually cheaper than that. Said when you're broke, you just gotta go with what you got. I I I did a lot of Miracle Whip as a kid. I'm a Miracle Whip. That's the other thing about like bulk, <laughs> bulk shopping. Like when I go to Costco, they've got Miracle Whip, but they don't have mayo. Yeah. Like, I want to buy it in bulk. Is there something wrong with yeah. my brain? I'm just gonna sit here with a jar of mayo and eat like some fucking cake frosting, and it's something your college all over again. Mayo is really good. Like Hellman's mayo. Oh my gosh, I love it so much. I used to put it on fries too. I I do that. I'll, I do yeah. that now. No, I do yeah. fries and ketchup, or ketchup fries and ketchup. Uh, mayo and ketchup with my fries. I I've never done two condiments on. It. Oh really? No, because it just feels like mixing colors, and I'm not. Oh yeah, it it, is... it becomes like a pink sauce. Oh god. No. Do you remember when Heinz did the fucking where they would have like? Oh the... yeah, the colored stuff. The colored yeah. ketchups well, was, and colored mustard. Well, it wasn't be that because they for a while they did like the squeeze it was like ketchup and mayo and like cream. Mixed oh no, I didn't. I don't remember they that. Did that they did it with mustard. They did it with like a few different other sauces where they had the yeah. pre-mixed sauces like that and squirt bottles and like. The the only thing I liked about it was their label looked cooler. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't look so well, plain Jane. It didn't, and the the nice thing about that was is that you know somebody in the marketing department got paid stupid amounts of money to come up with stupid names for these products. So yeah. They don't have green light. Yeah, and it's just refreshing to you because like that's a job, that's a thing you could do professionally. Mm-hmm. Like um, McDonald's is coming out finally with the with a plant based burger, like Burger King has. You know what they're calling? Oh it. yeah, what the McPlant? That's the test name for it because that was the best they could come up with was McPlant. The McPlant. And I think they're making it because Burger King's out the impossible walk. Yeah. So McDonald's went with Beyond Meat. Like why wouldn't you call it the Beyond Mac? Yeah. That's right there. Yeah, that's... I came up with that in like 17 seconds after I read this article. You're telling me a boardroom full of people, the best they can come up with is McPlant. I'm I'm not going to buy a McPlant. No. I would buy... I would definitely try the... What would, would you, what the would Impossible you, Whopper? Oh, no, I know that. What oh, the Beyond Mac? Yeah, I would try oh, yeah. Beyond Mac yeah. for sure. I'm not going to try the Mick. The Mick, no. Because it, it, it sounds like you're going to hand me a potted plant that you yeah. painted golden arches on and stuff a bunch of fries in the bottom. Yeah. No. I'll take out the fries, but I'm not going to the fucking plant. Yeah, especially plants. Because plant, like people, like, I, I'm not a vegetarian, but do you, like, just say, like, oh, yeah, I just eat plants? Like that's not something you say. You say, "Oh, I like, I like, I eat vegetables. I like." I stuff I did have a friend uh, I used to work with who described me being a vegetarian as the guy who ate all the food that his food ate. Oh, okay. Uh, which I haven't come up with a funnier description than that. Yeah. But that's my job is I eat the food that your food eats. Yeah. And. But you wouldn't say like, "Yeah, I eat plants." Like that. I feel like when you say I eat plants. No, you say I'm a vegetarian, and then people call you a vegan because they don't know the yeah. difference. But like, if you eat a plant, I think of flowers immediately. No. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you say, like, if you're gonna give me a mick plant, I'm gonna go mick plant it in my garden. Yeah. Or you go with my flowers. Or you go and you you eat a banana, and then you tell people the bananas are berries, and they're like, you like because they are. Yeah, they are. Yeah, berries. they are berries. I knew that from Jack. Yeah. My favorite thing about because we talk about stupid shit on all the time. My favorite thing about banana plants is they're not trees; they're bushes. Because they don't have like a hard like trunk like trees do, and the cool thing about the plants is that they they can walk. So when they plant bananas in plantations, they believe I think it's like four meters on either side of each row, because the plants will shift like uproot themselves and shift and can move up to like four meters over the course of their lifetime to like move close to like more nutrient rich rich or watered 
parts of soil, yeah. basically. That's crazy. It's super. Dang. And then McDonald's French fries did not used to be vegetarian. Mm. Because before they fried them in vegetable oil, like they do now, they used to fry them in beef tallow. <laughs> so, and like they used to apparently taste a lot better. It's like back in the 70s until somebody in Congress um, thought that frying them in beef tallow was bad for people's cholesterol. So they started a campaign to get McDonald's to <laughs> to vegetable oil. And not only, did it, not only did it taste worse, it turned out frying them in vegetable oil was worse for people's cholesterol than frying them in beef tallow. They didn't wow. better off not. Like now a lot of them doing like peanut and canola, yeah. and that's better than both. But at the time, they'd have been better off sticking with the beef tallow because it was better for you. Wow. That's nuts. Yeah. This is what I do with my spare time. I just <laughs> absorb all this random bullshit. And go, Maybe it'll be useful someday. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you can use some of it on stage. Like, Yeah, it turns out, no. no. You do that for two seconds. People are like, <laughs> were you watching too much QI again? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I was. That's funny. All right. Um, do you have any other hobbies outside of comedy that you feel uh, might help with comedy? Uh, no, because my main other hobby is video games. There's a lot of sitting around and doing nothing. Um, which is the antithesis of going out and doing things so you have things to joke about. Like, literally, the last thing I've done in the last two months that hasn't been comedy or play video games is, uh, have you ever been to Bentleyville since you moved oh, yeah. here? Oh, yeah. I love that. I go every yep. year because I hate Christmas, but I love Christmas decorations, and I don't know why. Yeah. Like, we're literally, I still haven't taken my Christmas village down as we're recording this, and it's in the background. Yeah, you can probably see it, uh, Vandy, you can see the tree behind us, but here, I'm going to I'm gonna move oh, yeah. real quick, yeah, and I'm going to show you. Okay. This is literally one of oh, the I things I can see I'm it, yeah, behind. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So, because I built, I have been collecting, like, Christmas village decorations, and I built all the tables and everything that I built on it, so that's, I guess woodworking is another hobby. Which the weirdest thing to me was I was having a conversation with a buddy I game with and we stopped playing video games to talk about table saws and woodworking for like two and a half hours. <laughs> and I'm like, this is what being in your 30s is like. And I remember when I was a kid, I thought it would be like fighting dinosaurs in space and I'm talking about power tools. <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out at what point in my life did I let my inner child down. <laughs> well, it was you said that was in... Your state that was was it Cincinnati had something about Jesus writing? A... Oh, they have a creationist museum. There. Oh, okay, it's exactly what it sounds like. And I fuck if I've tried to mine that for comedic premise. And every time <laughs> I think about it, I just get angry that those people are allowed to vote. <laughs> like, we won't get into yeah. too much of this, but like, I'm not a religious person by anything. I. I have jokes on stage about being an atheist. I'm not I'm an agnostic, but one, most people don't know the difference, and two, atheists are funnier. So <laughs> say that. Um, but it's like there are religious people I respect and religious people that I don't. Yeah. And the ones that don't are unfortunately the latter ones, <laughs> which gives like I've got a very religious, very Catholic friend who I've had very like serious arguments about like metaphysical things like transubstantiation with. He's a nuclear engineer, absolutely brilliant person. I don't begrudge him his beliefs at all. The problem is that there's people out there who think Jesus wrote a dinosaur that are giving him a bad name, and that drives mm -hmm. me insane because those people should have participated in democracy. <laughs> but they get to in large yeah. numbers, and it's terrifying. 
But anyway, talking about Bentleyville, I went there and a premise I've been trying to work on, I can't figure out was they have like wishing wells there for donations. And they had a sign on the one this year that said, you could Venmo in money for a wish. <laughs> right. What kind of magical ass bullshit is this? Yeah. Like, like kudos to the wish granting beings of the universe. They're getting on the technology train. <laughs> but where are you at in your life where you don't have change in your pocket, but you're gonna Venmo a fiver to a wishing well to wish for something? Yeah. Like that's a thing that people do. And I went there. I probably stood by this thing for like 20 minutes because I was trying to warm up by like a fire pit. Of course, nobody does it. Yeah. Right? Like you saw kids tossing coins in because yeah. that's for. Yeah. You didn't see an adult pull out a smartphone, scan a QR code, and send 20 bucks in and go, I hope I get this promotion. Like, no. <laughs> Who's that for? Do you have to text in your wish too then? Yeah. Could you put it in like, like you're Ben mowing anybody else? You like put it in yeah. the description. Oh, man. Which at that point, just like have a thing at the front gate, like if you want to donate something, Ben Mowen. Don't. Yeah. Don't tell me that there's a leprechaun checking his phone somewhere, <laughs> working in the off season because it's Christmas and they got the leprechauns fucking working the wishing well. Yeah. Just... And how awkward is that if you're on a date? You're on a date with this girl and you're Venmoing it and you're saying, "I just want to get laid tonight." <laughs> oh God. See, <laughs> people like that exist. You yeah. know for a fact there's a guy out there. Oh yeah. And his existence makes me feel great by comparison. Like, you see those people who do the dumbest shit you've ever seen, and you're like, I feel great now. And then you remember, again, that those people are allowed to vote. And Yeah, and then you also realize that that guy probably did get laid. He probably did, yeah. <laughs> but then who does that say more about yeah. at that point? Yeah. I'd be, I'd be the guy that had a change machine by the well, and you can swipe your credit card. And it costs you a dollar to swipe it, but you only get a quarter. Oh, there you See, go. See, but still, that seems less crazy to me than the Venmo thing. Yeah. That really because does. then you get a physical thing. Yeah, and you're, yeah. I, I would do that, I think, before the Venmo thing. Yeah, well, because, like, half the reason people use wishing well, it's like the nostalgia yeah. of it. Like, you're yeah. tossing a coin into it. It's, like, got a sentimental gesture attached to it, mm-hmm. which, again, technology has removed from all of interaction. Parag, capital fascism. Um... That's not a word. Why did I say that? <laughs> oh, God, it's the stupidest podcast thing. It is. It's, it's it bringing is. me down to your yeah. level. Yeah. We, su- we suck people in. We suck people into yeah. our level. It's working. I could, I could see the brand building. <laughs> oh. My bad. No, no. I'm <laughs> more impressed than I am angry. Kudos to you. <laughs> That's that funny. You've got a brand and you've sold it. Yeah. It works. It does. What is your favorite part about doing comedy, and what is your biggest fear? Uh, My favorite part about doing comedy is that I'm usually wrong when I do it. Uh, There you go. Yeah, that's supposed to be a joke. (laughs) Oh, God. My favorite part. I mean, it's got to be when people laugh, right? because you, you get that hit of dopamine when everybody chases, right? Yeah. But it, it's it's that sense of validation you get when you've thought something is funny, you've found the way to convey that humor to other people, and they get it. Like you have a genuine moment of connection with people that you don't know because you've found this common ground to laugh at. And those moments, I think, are really what it's all about, right? Like, again, as much as I love the sound of my own voice and I love, like, just being on stage and forcing people to listen to me because what else are you going to do with your time? 
it's it's that that those brief moments of connection or like when you when you get off stage and I remember the the first like professional show that I ever actually hosted. Uh, I I got called in as last minute because the regular host couldn't make it, and I got to I got to host for uh, Dusty Slay and Aaron Weber. Who was there? Some of the funniest human beings I've ever met. Um, but we were standing around after the first show, and they were talking about how people up here weren't laughing, and then came up to them after the show and how much I loved it. Or they love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, again, it's Minnesota. That's what they do up here. And yes, it's frustrating. But no, if they came up to you and like they were hugging people, telling them, I'm like, I had people coming up to the show telling me like the best coast they'd ever seen. Man, <laughs> I, I rode that high for a couple of days. Cause that was <laughs> but then like we went into the second show and they had that mentality to it. And of course they they knocked it. Like they did great both yeah. times. Yeah. Yeah. Second, once they were used to the way people up here reacted to them and, and the kinds of laughs you got and where you got them, you, you could tell them. And I mean, they're absolutely like some of the funniest human beings I've ever met. And it was, again, nice to like be at a show like that and have them like the shows were done at 10 o'clock and I don't think we left Dublin's until midnight. We weren't even drinking. We were just sitting in the showroom shooting the shit for a couple hours. That's cool. (laughs) Uh, uh, But everything, so you know how Dublin's in that that room, they have all these photos of comedians there. So. So we've got some of us that we snuck up on the wall. Yeah. And so Dusty looks at all these photos and he sees mine up there. And he's like, well, how do you get on the wall? And well, really all we did was we just put them on the walls. Nobody told us to take them down. <laughs> so he pulls a headshot out and he autographs it. And you can still go in there and see it because they haven't taken it down. He shoves it into the door jam at the top of the door leading into the room. He's like, there, I'm on the wall now. It's been, I think that show was like five, four or five years ago. Wow. It's still there. Nobody's taking it down. That's awesome. It's super cool. But it, it's like you get to meet people, like not just comedians like that, but you meet people in the audience who are just, they're they're fascinated by the things you say. You have a great conversation with these people. Again, you will probably never see a lot of these people again. But just you have those, those brief moments of connection with people that, it, that are, you don't have in our, uh, ironically, you don't have in our interconnected world anymore. Because people have these like technological distance buffers between them. So when you have these organic, natural moments, they're just super satisfying. Yeah. I do not remember the other half of your question. Uh, the other half was, what is your biggest fear? Oh, uh, dogs. Terrified of dogs. Oh. I have sinophobia, <laughs> which is the fear of dogs. It's the this fifth most common fear <laughs> in the world, but is the most uh, treated phobia in the world. Uh, yeah. That's on average one in four men and one in three women. What, no, what, that's arachnophobia. Sorry, those numbers are for arachnophobia. What, what is your I, What is your biggest fear in comedy? Oh, uh, <laughs> if somebody brings a dog on stage, <laughs> I did want to. I did want to just hear this. I was going to ask that too, but I just wanted to see how, how far I was going to yeah. go. Phobias are one of my favorite things to talk about because I think the words for phobias are super cool. Like my favorite phobia words, uh, one I can't pronounce anymore because every time I talk about it. I think it's arachnophobia, which is the fear of having food stuck to the roof of your mouth. Oh, damn. That affects people who have peanut allergies more often than not because they're afraid of having peanut butter stuck up there. That's the sensation that they get. Because they're like, oh, there's something stuck to my roof and it might kill me. Uh, But my favorite phobia word is electorophobia. You know what that's the fear of? Electricity? Chickens. What? (laughs) Electo is the Greek word for rooster. So it's the fear of chickens. Yeah. Um. God, uh, my fear, my 
performance-wise, I think my biggest fear would be bombing and never getting back on stage, mm. uh, which I got close to like back when I first started. But it's like you can't be afraid of things while you're doing. Like you're gonna bomb. It's the it's one of the first lessons that any major they taught me seriously has to learn. So you just accept that as part of the territory and you move on. Mm-hmm. And of course, like sometimes you're gonna bomb with your best material. Like yep. humor is not sense of humor are not universal. Mm-hmm. I could do a half hour of stuff that has killed in every other room I've been in. And there's a non-zero chance it'll go into a room and somebody will hate all of it. And yeah, that's going to suck, but I got to get back on the horse. I got to do it again. Yeah. So yeah, my biggest fear would probably be, because uh, it's happened in open mics where people have brought dogs and don't keep an eye on them when they get on the stage. I'm like, wow. <laughs> a job I used to work at, I worked at like a front counter and it was like in a service station. So I was working at a parts counter and it was a service at the other end of the lobby. And somebody was having their car in for service and they had a dog that they had let go of the dog's leash. So I'm sitting, you know, helping somebody at my desk. And, and I turn, and there's this dog behind my desk out of fucking nowhere. I but fell off my stool and like, screamed, whose dog is this? Because I had no idea there was yeah. a dog in the building. Um, and, of course, the woman gets mad. She's like, why are you screaming at my dog? And to her credit, the woman who worked at the service counter went, well, there's a reason there's leash laws in this city. Why aren't you out keeping an eye on your dog? Yeah. Like, Thanks for having my back. Yeah. That was really cool. Uh, but yeah, it used to be a lot worse. Like I used to, like when I had a job working in regular retail and stocking shelves, like if people would bring dogs into the store, I would climb ladders to get on top of shelves until the dog left the building. Dang. It, it, Interesting. Yeah. yeah that, it absolutely terrified me. Well, I'm really glad that we decided to do the episode here because there's two dogs that I'm dog sitting right now. Oh, uh, yeah. I would have bailed on you 100%. Yeah. Uh, one of the worst moments of my character was this girl I was dating for a long time. Uh, we were going to a friend's of hers house for a game night, uh, and she neglected to tell me that her friend had two great Danes. Oh, oh Dane. geez, great not Danes. just little yeah. dogs. Two, two great Danes that each had like like big ass looking brain tumors. Wow. So not only are these giant dogs, these are giant dogs with crazy looking lesions on their heads, right? Dang. So we go into the the front door. Uh, these dogs come barreling down the stairs straight at us. Uh, I bolted out the front door, closed it behind me, got in my car, and left her there. I just straight up drove off. Dang. And, like, she had to call me back. Like, it took me 20 minutes to work up the nerve to drive back there. To get her. Well, we ended up staying because they ended up, like, putting oh, okay, in the yeah. basement. Like, yeah. We stayed for the evening and actually salvaged yeah. the evening out of it. Right. It was, like, I just... I was absolutely terrified, and I wasn't thinking until I was, because this was like way out in Park Point, so I was halfway across the oh. lick bridge before I had finally calmed down. Wow. That's always. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not not my highlight as a human being, but they, that's what phobias do to people. They're not rational. You just shut down and were, stop thinking. Were you bit as a kid or something? Or I was. Uh, I did get, okay. but I was scared of them before I got bit. Uh so I think it was like five or six. Um, my it was the second dog my parents had. It was like some border collie mutt, mm. and of course they need to hurt stuff. We don't have sheep, so we tried to hurt kids. So when she would let this dog out of the kennel to like run around, mm. the first thing it would do was chase me. So like I would be like climbing trees, and it got me on the ankle. Once. Mm. But like even before then, like I wanted nothing to do with this dog. Yeah, I was absolutely terrified. <laughs> Really glad that we were able to get through that part of the the show, though. Um, <laughs> well, well, one of my fears is talking about people's fears. 
I, I do have a funny story about a dog if that's in any way up yeah let's do it it's, it's one of those stories that i've tried to turn into a joke and i can't find a punchline okay so that's what that's what the podcast is for i had a, a retail job in the mall and we're gonna like a sunglass kiosk this was years ago before i bought the house and i'm working on sunday this woman's walking to a dog party it's like like one of those lassie dogs i forget like i forget what they're called okay i yeah, I'm not good with dog food. Right. So this dog, it's got like brown fur on the top, and they normally have white fur. Well, the white part, this woman had dyed purple. And this dog had dog crocs on. Also, dog crocs are a thing. I don't know if you knew that. I they make crocs for dogs. Interesting. Okay. So she's walking this dog through the mall past the kiosk, and immediately this dog starts shitting all over people. Like a river of liquid dog shit. Ugh. Like this was a sick dog. Yeah. Um, this woman does not stop to clean this up. She keeps going. So I look at the lady who was working the front counter of the store across the hall from me. Because I don't know if you ever had like a cheap retail job. That's not in the handbook. You're not. Yeah. They don't cover. Yeah. They don't cover what to do when there's a river of dog diarrhea at your storefront. <laughs> so we were trying to figure out like, do we call maintenance or security? Like, which who do we yeah. call? As we're trying to figure this out. Uh, this woman is walking from the other direction on her phone. She's got like this gorgeous black dress on, like Prada handbag. Like her outfit costs more than my car, right? Yeah. She doesn't see. Oh no. She doesn't just step in, right? But like steps, and because she's wearing like heels with no traction, slips, like, falls, rolls in. It. Slips, falls, slides through it, covers her oh. entire dress in this river of dog shit. And I think the, fun, <laughs> the funniest thing to, and the most frustrating thing at the same time is I don't have a punchline for that. Like you, yeah, you he's... see something that ridiculous happen in real life and you know, as a comedian, you've got a yes and you got to find your, yeah. your feet. where the fuck do you go? Yeah. From? Like you got to go to space now. Like there's no, yeah. there's nowhere on earth to make that funnier than the thing that actually happened in front of me. Oh my god, I can't imagine seeing that. That would be so oh, I would feel so bad for her, but I would definitely laugh. Oh no, I couldn't stop laughing. Yeah. I plus like part of that's karma. Like you, you somebody who is kind of a fucking mall dressed like yeah. that. Like, why did you do that yeah. in the first place? You're just trying to brag to people. Mm -hmm. So this is cosmically funny to yeah. me. Yeah. But again, like it's a true story, hundred percent. So how do you how do you go from how where do you go? Yeah. Um, I, I can't stand those girls that do that and then like at an amusement park. You'll see a woman with high heels in an amusement park. You're walking all day. That's the freaking shoes you yeah, pick? What do you... Yeah. I don't get it. I don't, I don't get either. It either. So, I uh, think it was uh, the, the immortal bard William Shakespeare, though, who did once say, bitches be tripping. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> bitches be sliding. Yeah, can I be honest? Yeah. That, that's my favorite joke, and I will never stop that. That's <laughs> Which is be sliding on dog diarrhea. <laughs> All right, this this oh. is a perfect set. What is your biggest regret in comedy in your comedy career so far? Oh God, probably that I don't have a punchline for that. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> right? uh, there was the the one time I used to have a joke about uh, going to a physical, um, and of course I sit down. And the first thing you do is take your blood pressure, and then the nurse goes, "Hold on, I have to go get the fat guy on the band," which is never how you want to start that. Um, but then it gets to the point where like she had me run up a bunch of stairs and like what am I doing a training montage? And what I used to do is pull out my phone, do the Rocky theme, like just enough so I wouldn't get sued, 
and then pantomime running on the stage. So I do this at a show that I'm headlining, like a local show, uh, and the stage was made of plywood. And it turns out when you weigh 300 pounds and you're stomping your feet on plywood, it doesn't go through the floor. (laughs) So I put my foot through the floor on this stage, which visually is hilarious and a great, like, conveniently where that joke stopped. Yeah. It was a perfect ending to a joke about a fat guy getting physical when I literally break the thing I'm standing on. Yeah. But it got, it, at the time, I'm like, I have to swallow this feeling of disgust and just get through the rest of the show. But if I've got any comedy regrets, it's like it's like small things like that, right? Because mm. like, I've been fortunate enough to, I, I haven't had a lot of opportunities, but I've been able to seize the ones that I've been given. I've been, what's really nice about the scene in Duluth that I have heard is not the case in other places is that it's a really supportive scene where like the comedians want to see each other grow artistically. Um, so it's nice to have that. It's nice to be doing it here. It is bad to be doing it here to like branch out professionally because one, we don't have a lot of venues up here and two, you're not getting exposure to agencies and things like that. Mm-hmm. So that's a problem for it. But just being able to develop the art of it and just like have this community of people who's all dedicated to making this place funnier and growing the scene as it's a real sense of both artistic pride and community that has been super valuable. So we've been really lucky to have that here. Um, and then it's just a matter of taking the time and energy to, to go forward from there and mm-hmm. do what we can. Yeah, no, I agree with you a hundred percent. Like the scene is amazing. Like, it, and I was, it is again, better now than it was before. Yeah. COVID. And I think part of it is we have people in the scene that weren't in it before. There's quite a few people uh, here, even like, uh, of course, a couple of them have moved down back to the cities from here, but still like people have been doing this for less than a year and see absolutely talented people spring up yeah. and contribute to this community. Yeah. Well, it's funny because like they obviously they did go to the cities, but they are still going to be up here quite a bit. Oh, and I have them up here all the time yeah. because they're talented people who who are, I think, the kind of people that should be doing comedy. They're doing it for the art of it. They're yes. doing it because they love it. And that's not to say that, like, in more competitive markets, those people aren't doing it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, from rumors I've heard and haven't had a lot of experience with, you, you in more populated markets, like, you're competing for time. Mm-hmm. Like, you might have an open mic where there's 25 spots, and you go every week and then you go on from this. Yeah. So, it, and I get that that kind of makes you bitter, and that sucks it mm-hmm. really does yeah and luckily we don't have that problem here because we've got at most 20 people who show up and open like yeah. comedy so you've always got time mm-hmm. so nobody's been really cast out and bitter like that um so if i have a regret in comedy it's that it's not where i want it to be in the twin ports yet Okay. But it's taking steps that way that it's never taken before. Mm-hmm. So I am cautiously optimistic about how things are going to go with it. Which is great because, like, I'm really glad that I, I ended up getting in the scene when I did because, like you said. Like, oh, you nailed the timing yeah. on it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really glad to be a part of it now. And I want to be a part of the, the growth, too. Like, I want to see everybody grow. Like, I love oh, yeah. it. Everybody in the scene is incredible. So it's, and everybody's, well, not everybody, <laughs> well, everybody's contributions though, like whether it be just performing or getting these shows going or anything like every, every, you can tell that there's more than just the, 
uh, wanting to be on stage. Like everybody's willing to do extra work too. Right. Well, and I, it, it's kind of a double-edged sword because right? people are willing to do extra work so they have more exposure so they can do more work so they have more exposure. Yeah, that's true. You, you can't say that it's completely altruistic. Like, obviously, like, yeah, I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't want more opportunities to perform. Yeah. But it's nice to have people that are willing to work together rather than compete with each other. Yeah. And that I think is really nice to see. Mm-hmm. I like the way you put that. I do have a way with words. Yeah. That's literally what I went to school for. Yeah, you're, you're good with words. Yeah, I spent six years getting two degrees and sounding very impressive to people. Yeah. And <laughs> great. And that's that's why we have you on this. As long as you podcast. don't think about the fact that upstairs in my office there's a piece of paper and a mahogany frame that costs more than the house it's sitting in. Yeah. Don't think about that part. But yeah, that, the rest it, of it. It's an expensive piece of paper. I got it. And, and you can't sell it for yeah. shit. Yeah, it's yeah. like. I got two. That's the worst part. Oh, because I got a bachelor's and a master's. Yeah, I only have the the BS degree. <laughs> Is that actually a bachelor of sciences? Yeah. You... Marketing. Hold on, marketing is a science. That's what it says. It's been soft science bullshit. That's like saying sociology is a science. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna do sociology do it. now. That's well. It's a study. I mean, kind of, kind of study to... the brain. Yeah. No, that's psychology. That's yeah, psych. That's not even. That's at least probably because my friends that have psych degrees, well, one of them's a therapist. The other one's a blackjack dealer. But you know, flip that coin. No, that's cards. <laughs> you motherfuckers! <laughs> you said that you got away with words. I just was... I stood by my own guitar. <laughs> I had to say it. it. No, it's good. Again, if we were giving out points. I'd be giving them to myself, but it's not my show, so I can't do that. I'll give you points. And then I'll, I, I get some points for that last one that I did. Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, we don't, the points, it, it, it's kind of like whose line is it anyways. I didn't want to mention it. That feels like Yeah, it. yeah, we, we, the points don't matter here. Plus, every time I mention them within some of the points, Ryan Styles and Colin Lockery. Yeah, oh, yeah. They, they, they have more points than all well, yeah, well, we don't have the points for them. Yeah, is... yeah. No, they get 80% of our points. You're going to get band any points? You better. So, no, this is the part where you say that you're the host and you give out the points. Well, it's 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 funny because like I want to give the co-host points, but I just feel like it's a hacky thing to. <laughs> he's got he's so mad. You'll you'll learn. You'll learn. <laughs> I did as a as a gag in it admittedly didn't go over well, but I thought it was funny in one of the trivia shows I did. I ended up saying something that turned out to be false because somebody fact-checked me on it. So I took points away from myself, and I came. Uh, there were four comedians on stage. Uh, I came second out of six. Dang, that's not bad. Because the audience had beat three of the comedians. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. All right, so my next question is, have you ever bombed? If so, what did you learn from the experience? Uh, uh, yes. I think any comedian who tells you they've never bombed is lying to you, 100%. Uh, or they haven't been doing it long enough. Oh, yeah, or they did it once and then never went back on <laughs> yeah, stage. Yeah, and they're, exactly. they're only technically correct. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, God. Uh, I've learned not to, to dwell in it, right? Because if you do that, you... You you need to think about it, but don't live in it. Because yeah. then you get stuck in your own head, and then you 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 get terrified to go back up there. So you've got to get over it. Um, you'll learn that certain jokes are never funny. 
Uh, there was one joke I wrote really early on that was like kind of racy, mm. and I don't even remember the joke anymore because it not only got no laughs, but one guy in the crowd literally said, "Yeah, maybe don't tell that again." Oh yeah. So I took that to heart. I'm like, "All right, that is a good note." Yeah. If, if you if nobody likes this and you're like, "Yeah, that's not good." Yeah, if he like felt the inclination to say that heckles. Yeah, yeah, that it was so much evidence that that joke was bad that the joke itself has vacated my brain and now I only know the story about the yeah. joke, but now it's like that tenacious D problem where they write tribute but can't remember what the song <laughs> yep. is about. Like I remember why I don't tell this joke, but I don't yep. remember what the joke is. Yeah. Did I tell you my tenacious D joke? No, I don't think I've heard that one. Oh, really? Dude, it's it's the greatest tenacious DJ. Oh damn it! No, um, you don't remember it, do you? I don't remember it. This is just a tribute. <laughs> it's not even a joke. You just did eighty percent of the song. I did. And changed two words. I, yeah, well, it's still a joke. It, it, I it, want it, you to be wrong. In in this in this context, it is very clear that I stole eighty percent of it. But when I do it on stage, it's funny sometimes. Not all the time. Sometimes I got a good laugh out of it once for sure. <laughs> Man, he's just laughing at me. He's laughing at the idea of someone laughing at me. Yeah, yeah exactly. He, he gets it. <laughs> uh. All right. Would you consider yourself a funny person off stage? Uh, mostly because I'm not a different person off stage, which is a convenient thing for me. Um, I do. I am one of those people who, when I'm on stage, I feel like a more authentic person than when I'm having, mostly because I spent way too long in my life working in retail. So you were professionally obligated to be a fake person. Yeah. Like, and not like super, like not trying to like rip people off and sell them. It's more like a, you have to have a certain veneer on all the time. Like, you can't run around a park store screaming, fuck me, fuck me, fuck me, fuck me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You gotta wait till they leave, and then you tell them you're stupid. Yeah. Um, yes, they are. I, yeah. I, I will tell every person right now, if you've ever been into any retail environment and thought for a second you knew more than the people working there, just go home. <laughs> you don't. There's a reason that they're employed there, and you're not. Yeah. It drives me up the wall. So I used to work in an automotive parts store, right? And this guy came in once, uh, and he said he needed an oil filter for his Jeep. And the guy working the counter asked him what kind of Jeep he had. And he said, they're all the same. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the guy at the counter went, well, I don't know if you've seen our oil filter wall. There's 200 on there. Can you tell me what kind of Jeep you have so I can get you the right filter? Like, you can pick a brand or whatever. I just need yeah. to the right number to get you. And the guy was just adamant. So he went back to the wall, grabbed the random filter, bought it, and left. It was wrong. So he did this five more times in the same day. Came back, screamed that they had sold him the wrong filter. And they got at the counter. And by the third time, like the manager got involved and said, no, you grabbed the wrong filter because you won't tell us what kind of vehicle you have. It's like, it doesn't matter. Like, if it didn't matter, we wouldn't have jobs. There would just be a box that said filters. You would grab one, put money in a machine. And yeah. Like, there's a reason in specialized retail trades, you have setups like that. So by the sixth time, he's like, you've got two options. You can tell me what you have. I will just give you a filter for it so I never have to see you again, or you can turn around and leave. And the guy just left because he wow. wouldn't tell. Like, and I was like, I, I don't need, like, your license plate number yeah. and, and, like, your social security. Like, just tell me what year your Jeep is. 
That's so dumb. It's, it's so dumb. We should have him on the stupidest podcast. Oh. <laughs> it's it. I, well, I think he's too stupid for it. Yeah. Like, he'd be competition. That'd be like, <laughs> he'd bring us up, though. Yeah. He'd bring us back to where we where we need to be. You need him on to balance out the episode yeah. where I start talking about bananas randomly. <laughs> it's it's easy to bring somebody up. It's hard to drag them down, especially when they got master's degrees. Yeah, well, I mean, you're doing a good job, too. Right? <laughs> I've invented three words that don't mean anything tonight, so we're getting there. Well, we're doing our jobs then, right? Yeah. All right. What is the most memorable night of comedy for you? Could be good, could be bad, memorable. It's got to be the story about the open mic I did just for that married couple. Because it just resounds so heavily in my head. that One, I was only like two and a half years in my career so that I could do an hour of material and not... Well, I mean, obviously you eat, right? Because you're digging into the bad jokes at that point. But to to power through like that, it, it, it meant to me a lot that they... They said they liked it, and I'd like to think that they do, because otherwise it's a bad story. Um, or like the very first show I, I, I got to host professionally. That was like a, a lot of the firsts you do, I think they just mm-hmm. do. But they all resound for different reasons. They're just like, they, they call the things that you find out about yourself that you didn't know that you could do, or like really powerful connections you make with people. Yeah, just any any moment like that, really, where you sit down, and I've talked about a bunch of already. You sit down, like even like two, three days later, you're sitting down thinking about how great that show was. Mm-hmm. Anything like that, it's it's you're not gonna forget it. Yeah, I love those those shows, especially. Uh, I obviously do remember like the bomb shows too. Like oh, you, yeah, you, sure. you learn from those ones more. Um, but yeah, I do like to reminisce about the shows that went well or the firsts. Well, you remember the details, and like when you yeah. when you think about a show that you bombed, you're just thinking about yourself and like what didn't go well and what you you think about like the personal shortcomings you had in that evening. But when you think about a moment that goes well, I feel like I tend to remember like some of the people in the audience that were there, like what they look like, or the people I was performing with, or when I'm having those good nights. Like, I know that I did well, and it was, like, you remember those other people who got to share those moments with you. Like, that, yeah, that's actually a really good point, because, like, now I'm trying to, like, go back to a night that I, I feel like I bombed. I don't remember the specific details for the most part. Like, I do remember some of the details, um, like, about me, like, right. because I was fo- focused on what I did wrong. And... Yeah, but when you're thinking about like the good nights, like you remember some of the audience members, you remember your your fellow comedians that were there, like you remember a lot more of the other outside of you. Well, and like people like tend to reinforce a lot of their own negative like thoughts and feelings, right? There's a there was a super interesting study about Olympic athletes that they did, where silver medal winners tended to report higher levels of disappointment and depression than bronze medal winners, hmm. because if you won the silver medal you look at the guy who won and you look at all your shortcomings compared to the winner. But when you win the bronze medal, your first thought was, look at all these people that I beat that didn't medal. And so you reflect on what well in your performance and you tend to have higher levels of self-esteem because of it. Mm. And they found it like across sports, it tended to be true. Wow. Make, it kind of makes sense though. Like, And then the gold medal winners were just dickheads. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, yeah. that, that's interesting. 
that is a good like I'm glad they did that study because that is like if I won silver I would feel that way compared to bronze. Oh, the 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 studies you read about the things they learn from people. Um, I got to do a quick Evans book because I spent so many years studying it. Actually, but have you, have you ever heard of the trolley problem? Yes. Yeah. yeah it's a super common thing where like you're in a you're in a booth and there's a trolley hurling down a track towards five people. You pull the lever, you can divert it to one person. Do you pull it? And there's a lot of interesting theory behind it, but that's not the coolest part. Uh, I think it was 2011, people at the University of Michigan did a study where they asked a bunch of people the, the trolley problem and then had them come back a week later and put on a VR headset. And there would be a joystick hooked up to the VR headset and there'd be a simulation of a trolley going towards five people. And if you pulled the lever, you divert it. And they found that 30% of the people who said the week before they would pull the lever didn't pull it when they were actually faced with the situation. Oh, so wow. people's like theoretical, just like how we should behave differs from what they actually do when they have to make a panic decision. Interesting. Huh. I mean, I would love to be a part of that too, because I want to see what I would do. Like, cause I know that oh. like in theory, like you said, like, I think I would pull it. Oh yeah, I have a lot of not popular opinions professionally about this, but yeah, I like theoretically, I would pull the lever. There's a version where you push the fat man. I push the fat man. Like I, yeah. I think that's what you do, but I would love to see what I would actually do. Mm -hmm. And then you go as again, this is why I'm not allowed to do science. Is that you go, well, why don't I get six <laughs> people in a trolley and then just do it? Yeah. And then somebody goes, well, let's just do a VR machine. I'm like, that's that. That makes yeah. sense. Because <laughs> I mean, if you're doing a study, you got to repeat it. So I'm like, yeah. well, I got to get 100 volunteers, which means I got to get 600 victims. And where yeah. am I going to find 100 different trolleys? Now you How am I going to avoid the lawyer for yeah, this? Yeah. Do you want to sign this victim sheet? I mean, uh, participation sheet. Now yeah. you're starting to think like the stupidest podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what is the What is the most number of people that somebody's talking about kidnapping on your podcast? <laughs> I think I'm already at 700. <laughs> well, we did have Joe on. Yeah, we had Joe on. Uh, Patrick was on. <laughs> Joe's not going to talk about kidnapping people. He's going to steal their stuff for drug money or something. Patrick was on though, so he he talked. Uh, he bought, talked about other stuff. I don't know if he talked. He, about he talked about having him. a van outside of a little kid's oh, school. Oh yeah. <laughs> did you did you have him on before or after the show we did in Greenville? Because I know you've heard the story about uh, the show he did there, right? I a little bit of it. I yeah. Know. Uh, it it's not my story to tell because okay. it's not as funny when I and like it is not a good story. So. Okay, we'll we'll have Patrick. Well, it, it's not a good story because it's about his mom, and I really okay. like, I'm not gonna throw her under the bus. That's okay. his job, but it is uh one of the funniest real life moments I've ever experienced in my entire life was to be in that room for the conversation that happened after the show. Uh, and it was so beautiful. Like I, I now I'm thinking about it. Yeah. I'm, my head, I'm, like, I'm yeah. not gonna talk about it because it's not mine to tell. Okay. We'll have to talk to Patrick. Oh, no, yeah, have him on again. Yeah. Don't tell him I told oh, Yeah. Fuck, he might listen to He's this. He's probably going to listen, yeah. But Patrick, I'm sorry. <laughs> now I, tell now him I gotta story. It's really good. Now I got to message him because I got to know the story. Yeah. It's so good. If you message him, message it so I can also get it. If he, if well, he the, the only other thing I'll say about it is since it happened, there was like conversations with Fallout after that that make it funnier. Oh, okay. And so now, the farther away I get from it, the more I laugh. Nice. I'm gonna have to ask. Yeah, I'll message. I'll message him in the, the the messenger with the group. We should we should have him like 
do a video of that story so we can post it. He gets so red in the face though when you're like every time you drop oh. the tablet. And I, I feel really bad because not only does it happen, like we wrote down the other side, like two yeah. hour drive back. Okay, so he had that. Every 10 minutes, I just look at him and I bring it up. And I couldn't, I couldn't not do yeah. it. I felt so bad, but it was just so fucking funny. Yeah. I'm excited now. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seriously. I'll, I'll come back too. We'll do it again because I, I, mostly I just want to hear it again. Yeah. It's fun for me. Yeah. <laughs> I'll make sure you're around. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, where's the coolest place you've ever performed? Oh, that's a good question. So I haven't had the opportunity to perform in a lot of really exciting places. I've been mostly local. Uh, it was cool to do Danbury back when I did it. Um, issues with the venue aside, it, it wasn't really interesting because it was just so far afield from where I normally performed that it felt different. Like, what do you mean different? Like, it felt like you were, like, almost, like, doing comedy, like, on a vacation? Like, or what, what do you mean? Kind of, yeah. It was like when, like, we would go and we would, like, get the buffet beforehand and we would just chill out for a while. And it didn't feel like, like, we made more of a trip out of it than a show. Okay. Because usually, like, one person would feature, but we'd get two or three guest spots. So we'd get a car full of comics and we'd drive down. Uh, and you're driving through bumfuck Wisconsin, which is a lot like driving through Chilton in the corn. Because um, there's fog in the constant roads. Like, if you drive south through Wisconsin, and it's really low, flat ground, but there's fog everywhere, which is random houses in the middle of it. And you're like, But none of it's on the road. The road is perfectly clear. All the fog is, like, around these houses. Yeah. So, like, motherfuckers are going to come out with an axe. And yeah. Like, where? So it's a surreal drive there. And then you're just, like, in a casino, being in a casino. Yeah. Then you're doing a comedy show at eight drunk people in a casino lounge. <laughs> then you drive back through Children of the Corn to get home. And it's just this really, it was this surreal. They don't do it out there anymore. Which is kind of, like ever oh. since COVID, they haven't done it out there. But Maybe we'll have to reach out and try to see if we can do something. Uh, you, you, I, they do something because they used to do it on Thursdays. Okay. Because now we've been mm, the double. Yeah, yeah, we can't do that. Well, but you could snack with three or four people. So. Yeah. But I mean, the bigger issue would be. I know they're doing something else then, but mm. I don't know what it is. I got that. And it probably is drawing more than eight people on average. So, yeah. And again, it wasn't a bad room to do. It was a fun room to do. I didn't like some of the things the venue had set up there. Uh, but they did have by far the chillest sound guy I've ever met in my entire life. He looked like a really young version of Tommy Chong's character from that 70s show. Nice. And I think Mike was the guy's name. He was... One of the chillest human beings ever met in my entire life. He was really cool to work with, but a lot of the other, a lot of the other features I've anyway didn't care for. Mm. But sometimes you meet one person that's chill enough that it's worth putting yeah. in the, of the bullshit. Yeah, and he was pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you'd run into people like that everywhere. And oh yeah, yeah. Like at work, like I have some coworkers like that. Like I, I would never really want to leave because I would miss the coworkers. God, how does it feel? I've done a couple shows in, uh, there used to be a coffee shop on Morgan Parker and Iron Mug. It's where we do all our charity shows. Um, and the venue was odd because you, you were, you were in the front area of a coffee shop, but he had like lights and a sound system all set up. And it was, you were again performing for this because it was like in a really tight knit neighborhood, but that was when you'd get 30, 40 people. Oh, wow. Yeah. That place was packed. Um, 
and I again it was a, a really cool meeting to do with a bunch of people. Like I booked somebody there to do a feature spot once. Uh, this was before COVID. He moved out of Minneapolis. Uh, his name was Dustin. He went by Punch. And the great thing about Punch was that name he, sounds familiar. You might know him from down there, but he does the best crowd work I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, to the point where I was confident booking him for 20 minutes, knowing he'd do about 18 minutes of crowd work. Dang. Yeah. And it, it did, he had one joke he'd always start on, one joke he'd always end on, a handful of bit, and then the rest of it, he would just like ask people random shit in the crowd and yes, <laughs> and. And the man was an artist. He could make anything funny. Uh, and it was just the way he preferred to do it. He just, because he thought it got the audience engaged, and it really did. Like, I had people telling me that he was the best feature I ever had there because he just, his presence is so organic that you, you saw him interact with people. And, like, even if they said something he didn't like, his reaction to it was real. Sometimes it was volatile, but it was volatile in a funny way, and it was real. And he could always win people back from there. Yeah, that's cool. Because he had like these handful of jokes that he's like, I know these jokes work no matter what. Yeah. So this is how I win people back and then go back to what I do. He was absolutely brilliant. That's cool. He was really cool. Yeah. I he was one of my favorite people to have up here. He was I was really bummed when he moved to the city because again, you, you get opportunities and you take it. Yeah. And that sounds fun. Awesome. <laughs> Worst part about that place is that I don't drink coffee. So I'm like, what oh. the fuck am I gonna do? Yeah. Uh, where would you do a special if given the opportunity? Oh, oh, oh. God, not Ohio. <laughs> it would have to be somewhere because there are people in Ohio that would love to see do my set. So it would have to be somewhere that I could like, bring them to. So don't, my family has never seen me do stand up. I have it my way. It will be that way until they are all dead. Um, <laughs> But you're still going to do your set, like, while they're dead. I might do it at the funeral. That might be funny. <laughs> um, like, th there was one time my family came up, my parents came up for a visit, um, and we went to uh, the two open mics that were there the week that they were there, and both times no comics showed up, so we didn't do a show. <laughs> so they never saw any of my jokes the one time they were up here. Mm -hmm. Which, in retrospect, I am fine with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't do a show on it's not that I wouldn't do a show in Ohio. I wouldn't do a special in Ohio. Right? <laughs> yeah. If I do a show in Ohio, it's going to be at least far enough away that they are questioning if they want to go. Well, I, that I wouldn't tell them that I was going to be there. <laughs> like I'd have to be in like I've got a bunch of friends in like Columbus. And oh, okay. And places like that. And Cleveland. <clears throat> oh, God, if I did a special. Uh, I would actually love, have you been to the North Shore Theater here in Duluth that they just, it's a really old theater that they re-renovated and they do a bunch of plays and stuff in. It's got, I think, two to three thousand seats in it. Oh, wow. I have not been there. Uh, I haven't been in, but I've been by the buildings, the, like the, the remodel that turned out fantastic. And they do a lot of shows. Uh, I think actually Lewis Black is playing there sometime this spring. I can't remember remember exactly when the show is but yeah it's a big enough venue to pull a show like that wow it's like it's not like the deck size yeah i mean i wouldn't want to do a special at the deck because i wouldn't want to give off the venue that i endorse like hockey anyway mm. because i don't know what sports are <laughs> and i've got a brand to sell and it's being a yeah. nerd with closet attendants <laughs> i literally have i was at a show once uh and i did my set 
and somebody, a woman walked up to the show and literally said to me, she's like, when I read your name was Chad, I was worried you're going to be some pretentious shot, but it turns out you have a brain in your skull. I'm like, that's, it is a curse having yeah. this name because people look at you and go, dude, bro, what's up? And I'm like, I'm working on a thesis paper about value theory. Go away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do have a bro name. I do. It's a real, well, and also like I wear like hoodies and uh, like, basically skull caps everywhere so like you look at me from this and like this is a bearded jackass whose name is chad that's a fucking bro <laughs> and then i talk about utilitarianism and modern politics and just go i don't know what i don't know how to talk to you yeah. you should be saying football words <laughs> you're like uh bananas are berries yeah they are <laughs> strawberries aren't though yep neither are blueberries or cranberries Oh, blueberries are raspberries are. I'm sorry, I get those backwards all the time. <laughs> all right. Um, There's one thing I hate about collecting like stupid knowledge is that when it gets jumbled up in your head and you get something wrong, like well now I do something. Yeah, like, idiot. Like, like I actually know this. I promise. Exactly. <laughs> all right. What What do you normally wear on stage? Would you oh, Would you like to change? And if so, what would you like to wear? I've tried a few different things. Um, I'll normally wear like jeans and a button-down shirt and then whatever shoes I have to be in the mood for. And then, of course, a beanie hat because I've got psoriasis and a receding hairline. And don't, you don't, like, people see that. Like, it does. it's not a good look. And baseball hats make my ears look stupid. <laughs> so you, you go with the hats you're dealt, and that's these. <laughs> and it's like, this guy is getting personal, but like, I feel like I'm a heavy set guy and I'm really sensitive about it. So like when I wear button down shirts, like I can't turn sideways because you see me in profile and I've got a duck that sticks out. Mm. So I'll normally wear like a hoodie or something if I do a decent like I'll just, sometimes I've done like a t shirt with a blazer over it. Um but I mostly do that like when I'm trying to like host like a game show style thing or something like that and I wanna come off as uh but again ironically like wearing the outfit I wore when I gave my master's defense, which is usually uh, really nice pants, uh, a blazer, and then a Rush concert t-shirt because I was going for some kind of like business casual kind of thing back in the day. Um, and that's a look that I really like that I don't pull off as often as anymore, mostly because I've got one nice blazer left. And I'm Especially like if I'm doing a show and then I have to jet right away or if I'm doing a show and I'm going to do something else after that. And, like I'm carrying a bunch of changes of clothes around yeah. Kind of castle. Hell yeah, I've done that for sure. Uh, the the I'll tell you the worst thing I've ever somebody wear on stage, like seen that. This is we had a guy open like this was years ago, and he showed up once in dress pants, a dress jacket with no shirt underneath, but he had the whole jacket button, so like it looked okay. Like you're going for a look, and it's weird, but it's working. So. Okay. So and he was a weird dude, right? So he does, he's, we give him three minutes and he spends the first two minutes going, do you guys want to see a joke just over and over and over again? And nobody's laughing at it because it's not funny. And then he just pulls his pants down and he's wearing like a pink fucking banana on and that's it. So of course we pull him off the fucking stage, yeah. right? Because you're, you're a hair's breadth away from a sex crime getting this kicked out of this club. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just the most like surreal thing I'd ever seen. And then I was outside with some of the comics having a cigarette the next week. Um, and 
he walks up to me because I was the host, I was the resident kind of host for the open mic at the time. And he asks how much time he's going to get this week. Like, <laughs> no, yeah, I'm not letting you in. He's yeah. like, why not? I'm like, do you remember when you committed a sex crime last yeah. week? You're not, you're, you're done, you're out. Yeah, he's like, well, Martin Lawrence did it. I'm like, one in the 80s, and two, you're not Martin Lawrence. Mm -hmm. Like, and plus, why are you using other people's material then? Well, yeah, uh, well, yeah. You you told a less funny version of that. Yeah, guy, that people knew they were going to see. Yeah, you didn't you didn't practically whip your dick out in a banana yeah. hammock randomly in front of people at an open mic. Yeah. Well, and it was like terrifying at times. It was like yeah. this is the type of thing like they could decide to shut the show down yeah. if people complained about it. And it was like a venue where like the the venue had asked us to have comics not tell jokes before mm -hmm. or to not have certain comics perform because they received too many complaints about it. Yeah. So it was like is this the type of thing that gets us all kicked? And luckily it didn't. Yeah. Luckily he never came back. But you don't. Yeah, that's he... a terrifying experience to have to deal with. Yeah. Plus then you're going to pull somebody off the stage and his pants are around his ankles and like, you got to walk where your hands are at. Yeah. Eh. Did you accidentally touch it? Oh God, no. I <laughs> immediately two people beat him to the stage and I was mostly okay. opening doors to get them out. Yeah. So like I luckily did not have to touch that fucking yeah. weirdo. Nice. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Well, now I got to change my freaking outfit choice when I go up. <laughs> just go for a different color. That's different. <laughs> yeah. Just don't, yeah. Just don't do the blazer. Just be shirtless the whole time. You, you got Bert Bert Kreischer in there, and you got the banana hammock. You're good. <laughs> there we go. Boom. God, I, who would buy that calendar? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look at Vanny. He's raising his hand. <laughs> All right, Chad, mm -hmm. if you could open for any comedian, who would it be? Oh, see, because that's a double-edged sword, right? Because your first instinct is to say, like, one of your favorite comedians. Yeah. And then you realize that they are way funnier than you are. <laughs> and you're just going to feel, like, insignificant in comparison. So, like, you got to pick somebody that you like just enough. Yeah. Um, but is not only not, like, obviously they're going to be way funnier than you, but, like, in a different kind of way. So like I, as much as I love Lewis Black, I would never want to open for him. It's like, oh, I'm just going to be the less funny, angry guy. <laughs> um, so, so it would have to be, God, if I could have opened for Mitch Hedberg, that would have been crazy, right? Amazing. I, I have a Mitch Hedberg story. So a buddy of mine uh, saw him when he was when Mitch was like early on in his career, and he goes on to do the set. And he's coming out from the curtains from backstage and he gets like tangled up in the curtains but they had already given him a live mic so he had a mic stuck in his curtains <laughs> so mitch just goes oh man so warm back here <laughs> i think i'll just do the show from right here <laughs> so he does like the first 10 minutes of his set stuck in the curtains while fucking like pas and stagehands like trying to open them trying to get him out yeah. <laughs> i think it's on stage like oh I was so comfortable. <laughs> anyway, let's do the rest of the show. <laughs> the show, like nothing happened. Didn't it used to be uh, Mitch Hedberg, um, Lewis Black, and Dave Attell, right? They used to t all tour together, right? I think they did. And again, what's nice about that is it's like it's it's three different kinds. Totally of different. Oh God, yeah. That'd be a great show. Could you imagine going to like a ten dollars show and seeing those three? 
it was only ten. I don't think that that would ever be a thing. Well, but that was ten dollars in nineties money, so that's oh, like yeah. eight thousand dollars now. That's, like, that's if you did the math correctly. Oh, I think so. It's funnier when you don't. <laughs> what is the math? You know, I, I don't know actual inflation rates. <laughs> that's why I make up big fake numbers. My degrees were in philosophy, I, not economics. I, I figured you'd be uh, by anybody. I, uh, any of uh, anyone you've had on the show, yeah, yeah probably I would yeah. know. And I'm sorry, yeah. but I can tell you in 2017, a Cessna airplane cost $75,000. Uh, and the average cost of raising a child was $227,310. Oh. Just to get them to 17, like they're not out of your house. Yet. Yeah. So I was used to tell people, like, yeah, you could have one kid or, hear me out, three airplanes. And, oh. yeah, I'm buying the airplanes. I'm gonna just. I just need one. Just give me one airplane. I still think and, that number's a little low. Well, it's, it's, it's a Cessna C75, so it's a small. It's I'm, like a, I'm talking about the kid. Passenger. I'm talking about the kid. Uh, it was accurate as of a time study in 2017. It's definitely more now. That's a five-year-old number. Yeah. yeah. So it's got to be like four billion dollars or something. Well, plus the kid is five years older now, so I mean it's gonna be. Well, price inflation. You know, you're trying too hard. It's not working. Yeah, price inflation five years later. Gas back in 2017 is way different than gas now. Right. Um, and like, but also, but like, that's just to raise the kid to 17. Like, they're still living with you for, I mean, it was 2017, so for another eight years, probably statistically, that you haven't set aside anything for a college loan or anything mm. like that. That is the average minimum just to raise them. Yeah. And then people go and have like six kids mm. again are allowed to vote on economic policy and don't put two and two together. Yeah. You should not get to make financial decisions when you're back with money. Well, I feel bad. I don't have a kid or an airplane. And we're still broke. That's the worst yeah. part is that, man, I don't have any of them. I don't have either. I could have three airplanes and I have zero. I have a bit on this. <laughs> Oh, you can't just bury the lead like that. You gotta go. Oh no, no, no! I'm I'm saving this for the stage. I'm still working it out. So look at Bandy being a professional. Hey man, <laughs> you want to hear my jokes? You gotta come see me. That's right. Well, that's right. I mean, yeah, that is the. I have been doing it the wrong way. It turns out, and just flabbing everything into this microphone. And it's the the opposite of what he always tells me. He's like, "Yeah, dude, you should like do some of your jokes in a podcast." I'm like, "No, I'm saving it for the stage." Well, no, you always have the co-host. No, I never jokes. tell him to do it in the podcast. The I tell him uh, share the videos that he's done on stage, and he never does. Well, it's the same concept. No, not even. I don't want to like. That's even worse because then it's like that particular video. Like, if people see that joke, then it's just ruined, and then I can't use that joke. Anymore. No, it's not ruined. I don't know how you get it to ruined. Well, you, you got to give people a little taste. Because Roddy, so you Rod, Roddy, your following on social media is twenty people. So I mean, there's still thousands of. I don't others. even think I have one. <laughs> and we're two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think we're to that time of the night. What time of the night is that? Dedication time, baby. Dedication time. Oh, yeah. So every episode, we decide to dedicate to a comedian. Um, whenever we have a guest on, we like to have that guest dedicate to their favorite comedian. Or not necessarily their favorite comedian, but just dedicate it to a comedian that they believe uh, earns the dedication. So, uh, Chad, who would you like to dedicate this episode well, to? First of all, I'm glad you said that I had to dedicate it to a comedian. Because if I had to de dedicate it to somebody I liked, that would be nobody. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> over that. 
Um, Comedian-wise, I don't want to come off as, like, pretentious, but, like, I probably Lewis Black, because he is by far one of my favorite comedians over the... Between all the stuff uh, I saw him do stand-up-wise, like I, like I said, I had albums memorable yeah. of his. Um, I loved his bits on The Daily Show when he was with Jon Stewart. That was fantastic. He was, and he's always been one of those incredibly witty people talking about current events, and but also constantly funny about it. Guy yeah. could have been a great lawyer. <laughs> yeah, but if he was a lawyer, we would have lost the living legend. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Today. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> he should be a lawyer and a comedian. No, because he would probably do what I would do, and would be start telling jokes about clients, and that gets you disbarred oh, quickly. Oh, I sure. But they'd be so ridiculous. You'd have to talk. To yeah, them. you'd be like, okay, I need this in my bit. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. How much information do you need to change in order to make it a bit though? Oh, probably just a name. Yeah. And make sure that it wasn't a high profile case. I yeah. love Lewis. Like, uh, we used to, I used to tell a bit, and I don't do it very anymore because it's been so long ago, but uh, Duluth and Superior have very weird sex criminals. And there was a guy in Superior who got arrested because he was having sex with a dead deer carcass on the side of the road and got caught. Holy shit. Um, and like the funny thing to me about that was the only thing he got like the only crime he was charged with was uh indecent exposure because <laughs> it wasn't Ill- the actual yeah. thing of a deer corpse is not illegal in wisconsin and that is absurd to yeah me. but i was doing this as an open mic in superior once and i don't use the guy's real name because the guy yelled out oh you mean bill obviously his yeah. name's not actually yeah. bill but yeah. the guy said the guy's real name i'm like why would you yell yeah. that? Why would you admit that you know this guy? Yeah. First of all, and second of all, tell me more about him. I'm yeah. really fascinated. Now get on stage and help me out. Oh no 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 no! You never bring him. No, up. I, I would. I'm happy to show you. <laughs> tell me everything there is yeah. to know about Bill. Yeah. This will be my album. <laughs> Turns out there was nothing else missing uh-huh. there because that guy was a lunatic. But because he admitted to knowing the guy who fucked the deer yeah. in public. Yeah, like, I would feel like if that were information that I had, I wouldn't I'd... share with anybody. No, no, no. I'm really glad that you didn't say my name. <laughs> it's all about you know client confidentiality. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. If, yeah. As long as people don't know yeah. that it was me, yeah, and we're fine. Uh. All right, all right, Chad. Do you want to plug anything, or where can people find you, or? Oh, God, you can find me all over the Twin Ports up here. Admittedly, uh, I've, I've got to work on the social media thing because you, you youngins and your computers are <laughs> mystery to a man in his early 30s. <laughs> oh, God. I've got a show coming up uh, in February. I believe it's February 13th, thereabouts. Uh, doing a show uh, with uh, Sam Schwartz and the folks at the Caddyshack. Uh, I plugged the show that Justin and I are doing, but by the time you guys hear this, we'll have already done a great and or terrible job. Yep. Um, or mediocre. So, uh, <laughs> if you have access to a time machine, go back to January 14th and go to that show, because that'll be great. Yeah. Um, and a great use of a time machine. Do you have Do you have a website or anything? Or I don't. Uh, I used to, and it turns out the main name's expired. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> when you forget things, like to pay the people that yeah. you know, yeah. manage it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I got to them internets. <laughs> All right. Well, if you have any shows or anything and you want to share them or whatever, just send them to me, Chad, and I'll post them up for you. Oh, for sure. I'll let you know. So. All right. Um, I think it was a great episode. Yeah, it was uh, a lot of fun getting to, getting to know you. And yeah, Chad, it was great getting, getting to know you, man. 
Yeah, that's a really good conversation. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, I don't know who, like, which you to thank because I don't know who the host is. Uh, we're, we're both no, the hosts. Be me, so. we're, no, we're both the hosts. He's just as equal of a host as me. Should I split the difference and just thank me for being here? Yeah. Yes, thank, absolutely. Yeah, thank, there you go. Yeah, thank, thank you, Chad, for being here. We we should do that. As well. right. um, yeah. Thank you. Thank I'll you do for the doing job this. For you, that's fine. I mean, it's a point of contention. Yeah. yeah. We we just decided that uh, Chad is now the new host. And uh, <laughs> all right, we'll tune in next week. Guys. <laughs> he's already he's already one up on us. He's doing a weekly yeah. podcast. Yeah, you got it. Uh, I don't know how podcasts work. Yeah. Well, some people do weekly. We do uh, every other week. Yeah, we, we do, do a every other Monday. podcast. That's probably the saner way to yeah. do it. It's just too much. Well, I mean, work. plus we just we just reached almost. Well, I think we're all at about three hours now. Oh, seriously? Yeah. yeah a little, it doesn't feel over. Well, I told you, I love to hear myself talk. Yeah. So. <laughs> so. But. Roddy, where can they reach us? Um. Otherwise, yeah, you guys can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, Snapchat, you can reach us at, uh, YouTube. You can go, um, just about anywhere on social media. You can listen to us on Spotify and all those, um, areas where you can listen to podcasts where you're listening to this now. Um, you can always reach us at, uh, www.thestupidestpodcast.com. And uh, if you ever have any questions or you have a theme that you would like to hear uh, Vandy and I talk about, if you have a guest that you might want to have on, uh, anything like that, you can always uh, send us an email. Uh, just go to thestupidestpodcast at gmail.com. You stole my you have a website that uses Gmail? Yeah. Got to be my 30s then, up at Sandy. Huh? That happened. We're tacky. Huh? <laughs> it's almost really stupid. It is. It, it almost is with the brand. Yeah. I'm trying to get it's not working. Yeah, that's so. the best part about it. We can we can do whatever we want, and it, if it's stupid, oh, that's because we we did it that way. I'm brand, yeah. <laughs> yeah, guys, go like and rate and comment on the the podcast wherever you guys are listening. It helps a lot. Um, like our posts, share our posts. It helps the reaches. Helps the reach big time. So. Yep. Otherwise, by the time you guys hear this, we'll also have some wristbands. We'll have stickers. So if you guys want to donate towards the podcast, um, you can give us some donations. Um, again, you'd have to find a way to reach Bandy or Roddy uh, personally because we're only we don't have anywhere to to donate right now um, virtually, um, or at least a way to virtually get you those wristbands. Because um, yeah, it's it's going to be a lot to send those to people that want them. So right. you see us, you can donate to us. We'll give you those wristbands. Um, stickers are going to be, I think, free. I got a lot of stickers. So nice. All right, guys. Well, have a good one. Have a good one. Mm-hmm.